I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. Boy, you're my best friend. Boy, this is Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. We do begin here at home with the urgent push to avoid what would be the nation's first ever debt default as the deadline comes dangerously close. Both sides are now back at the negotiating table today after pulling the plug on meeting Saturday. The Treasury Secretary reaffirming today that June 1st is a hard deadline, making it clear that a significant portion of the nation's bills would go unpaid if no deal is reached. The NAACP is issuing a formal travel advisory for Florida, saying the state has become hostile to black Americans under Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. Oh, Joining other civil rights groups that have warned against traveling to the top tourist destination, the NAACP now accusing the state of Florida of being openly hostile toward African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. But I'm not wasting my time on your stunts, okay? I'm going to make sure that we're getting, getting things done here. Members of the National Guard greet asylum seekers at the Holiday Inn, Long Island City, LaGuardia West. A note at the entrance reads in part that, unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, any reservation from May 16th on has been canceled without penalty. Adams said the city has spent over a billion dollars and is projected to spend close to $4.3 billion. Yet, the federal government has only provided $30 million. $30 million comes nowhere near what this city is paying for a national problem. And there is a wreck. National treasure taken up by Blazing Sevens. Pain wanders inside. No work to do with him. National treasure big again. Blazing Sevens. Pain disturbed. National treasure. It's Blazing Sevens putting on a show. And the greatness of the enemy. It's going to be National Treasure. John Velasquez gets his treatment. And Bob Backer. In the break the state.
Ozark guy Morrissey, lead singer of the Smiths. Morrissey enjoying a birthday today. Happy birthday, Morrissey. It's a great song. Every day is like Sunday, except for today because it's Monday. I know you folks think Monday sucks. I've already gotten yelled at twice by my wife already this morning. Woke her up twice while getting ready for work. I need that at 3.30 in the morning. But it is Monday. It's going to be a gorgeous day, sunny and, you know, not too hot, mid-70s. How old, Lou Rafino is Morrissey today? The great Morrissey yeah. is 64. 64. You know, I went to uh, see Morrissey on Broadway about, I don't know, four or five years ago. The Smiths, he had, a, he had a, I guess, a one-man show. And it was pretty cool. We'll play How Soon Is Now at some point today. That's the song they used to start the show Charm with um, Alyssa Milano and a few other uh, uh, women. So anyway, it is a Morrissey birthday on this Monday morning. You know what's cute is uh, the listeners, when we're off the air on Friday, (laughs) it's surreal to me, but it's true, they start having Sid and Friends withdrawal. They start literally counting the minutes until we're back on a Monday morning. Now, how do I know that is because people like Olga, even Bob Cornicelli minutes ago, they will DM all weekend. One more day, two more days, 40 more minutes. <laughs> Come on. That, that was... Swear to God on my kids. I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. That is it's very humbling and very sweet. And we're happy to be back. we got a huge show today. Who needs the five when you've got the nine? A full hour in studio of Judge Janine coming up at 9 o'clock. Her new book uh, comes out tomorrow, Crimes Against America. In fact, I think there's a book signing across the street, Smith & Walensky. Either way, we get a full hour of Judge Janine coming up at 9. Plus, other regulars, great, great guest list, Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, and uh, Anthony Scaramucci. So a big, big, big Monday show. You heard all the big stories, of course. The uh, debt ceiling, that's a big deal. June 1st, right around the corner. You've got the ND, uh, the NAACP. This group is so embarrassing. What a bunch of jerk-offs. Oh, my God. Telling blacks and gays to stay away from the state of Florida. So I guess all my Dolphin buddies, right, O.J. McDuffie and Keith Sims and Ricky Williams and all the guys that live in West End and Miami, they should move out, right, NAACP, you morons. So Ron DeSantis says, I'm not playing this stupid game. Good for Ron. See, I'm a Trump guy, but I still love Ron DeSantis. I love him. And these people are sick, to quote Donald Trump. They're sick. The NAACP, Florida is dangerous for blacks and gays. I mean, you got to be kidding me, right? This is what this group is doing out there today? So that's a story. The asylum seeker is still a major story. The governor, Kathy Hochul, and the mayor, Eric Adams, who will join me at some point this week. I don't know what day, but he's definitely coming on. They're out there trying to get work authorizations for these asylum seekers, while the rest of us are trying to keep these illegals out of our neighborhoods. I know that Nolan played some sound earlier. I don't know exactly where that was. Maybe Suffolk County. Some of these residents that are angry, that were mad, that illegals are here. They're like, I can't believe the hate. Oh, shut up. You know what? Let them move into your house. You get out. Give them your house in Suffolk County, and you leave. We don't have the money. We don't have the space. And quite frankly, we can't take the risk that one or 100 of these folks 
or pedophiles or murderers or drug dealers. We don't want it. If you want it so badly, go to Venezuela. Go to Mexico. Go ahead, go. We don't want it here. I go back to the interview I did with Joanne Ariola on Friday. So disappointing. And I love Joanne. You know, my first real political, I guess, experience in terms of social experiences was Joanne. I had just gotten here, basically, doing the show with Bernard, God rest his soul. And she invited me, as the new kid on the block, to some Republican dinner at Russo's on the Bay in Howard Beach. And it was very nice of Joanne. And I went. And I met Joanne, and Eric Ulrich was there. And it was about the time they announced, the hell is his name? He actually ran against a guy from Buffalo. He became the head of the uh, the Republican Party here in the state. I forgot his name, but I met him there that night. Uh, Elizabeth Pipko was there that night, and it was great. It was terrific. Charlie Marino was there. And I started to get to know some of the local politicians. Tom Sullivan was there. And every time I've seen Joanne since, she's been very, very nice. But her performance here on Friday was pathetic. It was pathetic. Calling out Curtis Sliwa. I don't want to hear from a radio guy. Hey, Joanne, the fact is, Curtis Sliwa has been on the money. Now, he may not be right about everything. It may turn out that some of the things he said don't turn out to be true. But I would err on the side of caution. And I would be out there yelling and screaming on behalf of the Curtis Sliwas and Sid Rosenbergs, not, not telling me you had meetings with Gregory Meeks and Eric Adams. God, I don't care. So I was a little disappointed. She was the complete antithesis of Vicky Palladino, who was on two days prior. So we're going to talk to Curtis Sleeve coming up at 7.05 because everybody hates Curtis today. Everybody. The mayor's office hates him. Joanne Areola hates him. Joe Borelli out in Staten Island, he hates him. Guess who doesn't hate Curtis Sleeve Me. Me, because so far he's been the most accurate. Maybe not 100%, but at least he cares. My God, enough of the rhetoric and the nonsense. And I don't trust any of these politicians, any of them. Even the guys on my side, I don't trust them. I don't. So maybe they'll turn out to be right, and Curtis will have to do some apologizing. I don't know. But at this point, I'm in. Uh, I'm with Curtis. So he'll join us at 7.05. Frank Morano coming up at 6.40, right in the middle of the Borelli-Sliwa war, if you will. And that will be good. But we ended the uh, the open there with the Preakness Stakes and the National Treasure win. Now, Dick Girardi, who's been calling all the major races, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, for the better part of 40 years, and you hear Dick Girardi on this show usually the day before these major races. That has been the case in both big ones this year. Dick was on Friday before Kentucky Derby and Friday before the Preakness, and he did give you the one-horse National Treasure as the winner, and it did win Velasquez, the jockey, and Bob Bafford back after that lengthy suspension wins his eighth Preakness. But unfortunately for the sport, it was less about Bafford getting a win and more about another horse that had to be euthanized right there at Pimlico. And don't forget, folks, this is off the heels of seven, seven horses that had to be put down the Kentucky Derby week. So the first thing I said to Lou this morning was, hey, that's a heck of a win, but another horse was put down, and Lou was like, that's it, I've had enough. 
What they do to these horses is cruel. And you're not alone, Lou. That was Danielle's response, too, when she saw the story, that another horse had to be put down. So they're dealing with some really horrible pub horse racing. I'm just tired of seeing all these analysts ongoing, like, well, they're, they're, the, they're, they're the jockey on this and the track here. and the very... It's all about the horses. It's all about the horses. You know what? You bend over. I'll ride you for a mile and a half, you fat bastard. Wow. Stupid. I mean, see how you do running around the thing. And, like, I like it because it's beautiful to watch. And I've been up to Saratoga a, a few times, and it's yeah. a beautiful track, and it's fun. <laughs> but, you know, as soon as, if they fall, break, you know, their leg, that's it. They have to be, they have to be euthanized. Yes. It's sad. Yeah. It's terrible. And especially these, you know, I saw one of these stupid horse and carriage things uh, in, in a neighborhood that was, saw, uh, it was on the west side. I was going to get you. Friday. Okay. I was going to get, and we're coming down um, 11th Avenue, where the leading to the, uh, what is it, the Lincoln Tunnel, probably. Packer. And this guy's on the right thing, driving one woman in the back on 11th Avenue. What are you doing? What was he doing? He was, it was, it was a horse. And yeah, ca- but it was, it not was, supposed to be there. No. Unless the, they they and, do park the horses, as you know, by uh, 11th Avenue, by, by the West Side Highway, right behind Hustlers. <laughs> that's yeah. where they park some of those horses or keep them, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's weird. It, it's just weird. Yeah. And the whole thing, and they're not, I, and people will say they're treated great and they're fed nice. And they, yeah, that may be the, the, the ones who race. But this, uh, now I'm convinced these ones that are riding in Central Park and everything, like, let them go. The whole thing is Well, dumb. my buddy Josh Fox, you know, I do these commercials for ERC, the Employee Retention Act. And um, he's all over it. He's actually already gotten to almost the final stages of having these horses removed from Central Park. Because a lot of folks agree with you, that's animal cruelty. These horses, it's hot out there. they got to drag around all this weight. They don't eat enough, actually. So that was uh, the bad publicity coming out of the Preakness this weekend, despite, again, the Baffert win overshadowed by another horse having to be euthanized at the major race, but you did mention you came to pick me up on Friday night, you and your lovely fiance MJ, who I love, and you did, and we went out to Hackensack, New Jersey, me, Lou, and MJ, where I co-hosted my dear friend, icon, legend, WFAN, Joe Beningo's podcast, Oh, The Pain. So he does his podcast every week, but I think once a month, or maybe once every couple of months, he takes his podcast out to a site in New Jersey and does it live. So he asked me last week if I would join him. I was all too happy to do it. It was the first time I did a radio show or a podcast with Joe Beningo in 18 years. I was a guest on his podcast once, but not with a live studio audience. I would estimate, Lou, you can um, confirm and or deny, probably about 100 people at the Hackensack Brewery watching me, Joe, and you live on Friday night. Does that sound about right? Yes, that sounds about right, give or take probably more. Maybe Actually, more, right? It yeah. was great. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Beautiful night. And we started the night by having a nice dinner at a little Italian restaurant called Presto, right in uh, about two blocks away from the brewery. And then me and Joe did our thing. Lou got up on stage as well. And uh, we met some uh, interesting people, to say the least. <laughs> what I was surprised was this was a Beningo thing. And I really thought going in, these would be all WFAN fans, which is fine because lots of those folks still love me for my years there. 
But I was really happy to find out, you saw this, Lou, there were a ton of people in attendance on Friday night that are Sid and Friends fans, WABC fans. In fact, Gio, who does the morning show with Boomer Esiason at WFAN, he took a savage beating oh, you guys on Friday night. At that <laughs> oh, my. Man, I wasn't even near. I was outside talking to somebody, and I came back into the, the area, and you were beating him like oh, yeah. he was in Guantanamo Bay. I it know, was, but that's yeah. funny. Wow. But, but then we had people come up at the end and ask questions, and a few of the actual uh, listeners or the people that showed up live that night, they beat up Gio, too. So a lot of Sid and Friend fans in the morning <laughs> there on a Friday night, and it was funny. One guy, uh, I guess I'm not going to bring up his name, but one guy has uh, colitis. What do you call that? Uh, uh, ulcerative colitis, I think it's called. Yeah. Ulcer, ulcer. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy comes yeah. up to me afterwards. He goes, you know, I'm in the bathroom for 90 minutes <laughs> at a time. I make a 90-minute duty. And he goes, I have to tell you, you make my duties. He actually used the S word. You make it bearable. And I said, I got to tell you, I've been complimented a lot, especially the last couple of months. That one I've never heard before. You make my shh bearable. <laughs> Here comes the shirt. <laughs> Sit in friends in the morning. That is another shirt right there, That's right? A, That's a yeah. beauty. Wish we could wear these shirts out somewhere. But... I know. Can't wear them anywhere. No. But that was our Friday night. That was great. And uh, Joe Beningo, his wife, Terry, his daughter, Erin, her husband, Andre, all really terrific. Kenny Scarbaggio, the whole group. That was fun. <laughs> so then Saturday, my wife's friend, Jessica, comes in from Florida. This is the part of the show that Greg Kelly seems to love. He kidded around about it on Friday, but he wasn't kidding. And I would say to Greg, you keep doing what you're doing. And you get your 2.7. I'll do what I'm doing, and I'll get my 7.5. The king of New York radio. So I know he was kind of being tongue-in-cheek on Friday, but he was serious. He's like, who cares what you did this weekend? So you do what you do. And again, struggle to get a three while I get nearly an eight. So Saturday, uh, Danielle and I and Jessica went for dinner. Went to see our good buddies Tommy and Sal at Il Cortile Restaurant on Mulberry Street in Little Italy which is a great, not good, but great restaurant. And I walk in, and I sit at my table. I've got my own table. Now, at that table is a picture of Jimmy Gandolfini, the great Tony Soprano. But a couple of weeks ago, the last time I went, I dropped off an 8x10, which I signed to the restaurant. It's a picture of me from Columbus Day a couple of years ago, my blue suit, my pink tie. Looked very powerful. And I go sit at my table and what picture was hanging right next to Jimmy Gandolfini? Me. Hilarious. That's not the story. Sitting at the table right next to me, Elvis Duran. And boy, did we have a great time. He is the sweetest, nicest. He's a huge success, obviously. Z100 does incredible numbers. We don't compete with them, to be honest. But he's just the sweetest, nicest guy. He was there with his husband, Alex. And we joked around for about two hours that night. So I went, Lewis, from Joe Beningo in New Jersey on Friday night to Elvis Duran at Il Cortile on Saturday night. This is radio royalty, folks. Joe Beningo. Oh, Joe B. Too. I mean, but Joe B. I mean, Elvis Duran is the biggest. He's a nice man, too. The biggest. Very nice guy. But then in between all that, I will tell you that Saturday afternoon, Craig Corton reached out to me because they play this annual softball game. 
Corton and Roberts take on Tiki and Tierney, the midday show Tiki, Barber, and Brandon Tierney, in a charity softball game. One of Craig's friends, I guess, died from cancer. I don't know all the details, to be honest. All I know is he asked me if I wanted to play. And I said, sure. So I will be on the Corton Roberts team, taking on Tiki and Tierney. All this between Friday and Saturday. Joe Beningo, Craig Carton, Elvis Duran, Sid Rosenberg, Radio Royalty. And then, as if that's not enough, I wake up Sunday morning, and you remember last week I had Tom Biggers on the show. He is a guy that actually heads the NYPD Running Club. And every year they put on this great 5K race, and they start the race from the Memorial Wall down by me in Battery Park, where I was three weeks ago when they unveiled 77 more names of fallen cops and heroes. So I walked downstairs. I had just gotten up, Starbucks coffee, sleep in my eyes, wearing shorts and a sweatshirt. And Biggers starts this press conference. It's about 9.40 a.m. yesterday morning. They start the race every year at 10.13 a.m. because the radio call, when a cop is down, they yell, 10.13, 10.13. So I had no idea I was getting there right about the time of the press conference. So I walked over to the side. They had Tom Biggers, Pat Lynch, the PBA president, and the commissioner of the police department, who's a sweetheart. The last two times I saw her, she could not be nicer, Keyshawn Shul. And Biggers, during his little press conference there at the podium, where there had to be thousands of runners from countries all over the world, made mention of us, which I thought was very, very nice. I was honored. He said, look, we've got the commissioner here. We've got Pat Lynch here. But standing right there is Sid Rosenberg, WABC. And he is living proof of people in this city who have a big voice who love the cops, love the cops. And I almost started crying. I was really honored and really touched. So that was my Sunday morning. How about that for a weekend, Lewis, huh? I had enough Friday. Forget that. Imagine everything no. else that happened along no. the way. Yeah, and other, <laughs> yeah. and other messages I heard from you over the weekend, like where, where else you were. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, if, you, ah. if you remember, yeah, that's right. Listen, my uh, the show is every day for me. Every day is the show. Something I do something every day, whether I'm on the air or not, that ends up on Instagram or Facebook or a text to you guys, and that's it. That's the show. It's our lives. Now, we're going to cover all these major stories today like everybody else does. We're a little different, I guess, but we all cover the same stories what makes our show special, Greg, and everybody else, is all the stuff we just talked about. That's why we get the ratings we get. That's why. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Again, big guest list today, Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa. We're going to talk to Rich Lowry, Anthony Scaramucci, and live in studio for the entire 9 o'clock hour. Very exciting. Her new book, Crimes in America, coming out tomorrow. One of the all-time greats, Judge Janine Pirro. Monday morning, your favorite talk show in New York City. That's us, Sid and Friends in the morning. And we'll be back right after this.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Gabriel Rosenberg, and while my dad may be number one in New York City radio, he sure isn't number one at home. Right, Mom? Yeah, but Gabe, Mom's not here. All right, Dad, then you are number one. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Man, Seal right here. Told you I was watching the um, HGTV channel. We watch it all the time. They got these twin brothers, and they build houses for celebrities. And last week, Heidi Klum was on. Of course, she's on America's Got Talent, and she was married for many years to Seal. Seal is a great artist, and guess what? I've got tickets right now to see Seal at the legendary Beacon Theater. For tomorrow and Wednesday night, alongside a special guest appearance by the iconic Buggles, picture yourself immersed in an unforgettable night of music as Seal's soulful melodies and the Buggles' timeless hits fill the air. Two legendary acts all on one stage. Call the number 9 right now, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Call the number 9, going to check out Seal and the Buggles. Tomorrow night at the Beacon Theater. Did somebody actually change the television in the far left? Again, folks, you've got TVs in and outside the studio. I can't hear the audio, obviously. But uh, I've been watching them for months, if not years. And the television on the far left has always been CNN, garbage. And now it's Channel 7 locally. More garbage, but at least it's local. So somebody changed that, huh? 
Good. Because they don't give us access to the I know. We can never change it. Like I was on with uh, Kelly Ripper, not on, but she was talking about me, and we couldn't change the channel to Channel 5. Two million people watching Kelly and Ryan, we couldn't change the channel. Well, we got it in time. Thank God CNN is done, though. Yeah. I can't stand them. So the big story that Channel 7 was talking about just now was, look, right now me and you, we have to foot the bill for these illegals. we got to feed them, we got to house them, and I don't want to do it. I don't want illegals in my neighborhood. If that sounds awful, if the NAACP wants to add me to the list with Florida of people who don't care about other people, go ahead and do it. Fine. I don't want them. I don't want them anywhere near my neighborhood. Not just because I have to foot the bill. I just don't want them. So Hochul and Adams are out there going, well, if this people could work, that would, you know, take some of the burden away from taxpayers like Sid Rosenberg who have to foot the bill for these folks. So they are desperately trying to get work authorizations for these migrants. Instead of trying to keep them out of here, instead of telling Washington, D.C., we're not taking them, these two profiles of courage, the governor and the mayor, are out there saying, hey, let's let them work. They're here. Take the burden off. Let's let them work, which, again, is certainly better than them sitting in a hotel somewhere and me paying for their booze. I get it. But either way, I don't want him. Eric Adams, who will join me at some point this week, he was on Face the Nation. And I forget the host. Is it, um, what is her name again? Radich? Is that her name? Martha Radich, something like that. She asked uh, the mayor if he has spoken directly to the president, Joe Biden, about fixing this issue. This is Eric Adams cut one courtesy of Face the Nation, Lewis, and CBS. Have you asked the federal government, have you asked Homeland Security, have you asked President Biden to figure this out in terms of what you're talking about? Take migrants from the border and move them throughout the United States so they're not just landing in cities like yours. I traveled to Washington several times. I had conversation with FEMA about a financial allocation and proper resources to the city. I had communications with the White House on several occasions. I have communicated with our congressional delegation who clearly understands uh, how important this issue is. So, yes, we've had numerous conversations uh, to resolve this issue in a, in a real way. And it's just, unf- again, unfair to the city of New York and all of yeah. our cities to carry the burden of a national problem. That is a Margaret Brennan. Thank you, Lou. Margaret Brennan. On the second cut from Face the Nation, he talks about how New York City is not giving nearly enough money. You know, i got to credit Lee Zeldin, the pride of Shirley Long Island, former great congressman. He ran for governor, ran a splendid race. And he said it last week. He said, listen, this is not just about money. There's a lot of other issues with these illegals. Yet all the Democrats want to talk about is money. And that's what Adams did again yesterday on Face the Nation, cut number two. You said that the president and the White House have failed New York City and that you don't have access to federal dollars to deal with the migrant crisis. But the administration reportedly has pledged $30 million to deal with those arrivals. Why the discrepancy? I don't think that's a discrepancy. We've spent uh, over a billion dollars. We're projected to spend uh, close to $4.3 billion, if not more. Uh, These estimate was based on a number of migrants coming to the city, and those numbers have clearly increased. We are get, we're, we received in several days last week alone uh, 
over 900 migrants on days. Uh, a week, over two weeks ago, approximately 4,200 in one week. When you look at the price tag, uh, $30 million comes nowhere near what this city is paying for a national problem. So you are getting federal help. It's just not sufficient to the needs you have. Well, we've been extremely transparent uh, what the needs are. Uh, when a city that just uh, cycled out of the uh, financial crisis of COVID is now hit with an additional uh, over a billion dollars in our budget and potentially four point over four billion dollars uh, in the out, out years, uh, that is not the price tag that is attached to what is caused to handle this national problem. He's right about that. It's not enough. Of course, he should have been yelling and screaming months and months ago when the planes were coming into Westchester and Stewart Airport. You remember that? Miranda Devine, Rob Astorino, they all reported that. Nothing from Eric Adams or anybody else. He was still referring to himself as the Biden of Brooklyn. And now he's complaining, and he should be complaining, because it's not enough, but it's too little, too late. And, of course, it's never a bad opportunity, if you're Eric Adams, to praise the witch, the governor, Kathy Hochul, or the biggest waste load in the history of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, which he does at every opportunity. He did it again yesterday. Face the nation. Way to go, Kathy. Way to go, Chuck. This is cut number three. You have started to bus migrants upstate within New York, and that has kicked off some legal disputes, I understand, with some of those counties. You just talked about decompression. Have you asked the governor, who is a fellow Democrat, to to help you find housing for these migrants elsewhere in the state? Uh, yes, and she has been a real partner, as well as Senator Schumer, Congressman Jeffries, and the New York delegation. Uh, they have been extremely helpful in trying to, number one, get the dollars coming out of Washington, D.C., but also the governor here in coordinating our efforts. We are continuing to ask her to uh, f- help us find space throughout the state. Uh, but New York City, again, is the economic engine of the state and the country. We believe the entire state should participate in a decompression strategy and it's unfortunate uh, that there has there have been some lawmakers in counties that are not carrying on their role of ensuring that this is a decompression strategy throughout the state and some have, have we have witnessed some municipalities where they lied and stated that veterans were being forced out of uh, hotels which was untrue and found out to be fabricated so these types of tactics are just uh, anti-American and anti-New York City. There he is, the mayor, Eric Adams, once again, courtesy of Face the Nation on CBS. Joe Nolan traffic coming up, then two great guests in a row, Frank Morano and Curtis Sliwa. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable with my good buddy John Katsimatidis. That's where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story. Great show Sunday mornings starts at 8. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here, John talks with Zach Williams. Is, uh, are we going to go into congestion pricing to pay for the fare evaders? <laughs> well, the wheels are well in motion now for congestion pricing following the federal approval just days ago, which had been you know, a real roadblock to get this uh, congestion pricing plan in place. You know, it looks like it's going to be moving forward. And uh, after years and years of arguments, public forums and everything else, you know, Governor Kathy Hochul said congestion pricing 
is uh, going to happen. This is Sid on Sports. Oh Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers out in Cincinnati. The Yankees beat the Reds 4-1 to to complete the three-game weekend sweep and move their current win streak to four games. Luis Severino made his return from a strained lat muscle and was very solid in his season debut, allowing one run on four hits through four and a two th- and two-thirds innings pitched, I should say. Harrison Bader and Gleyber Torres added dingers to go along with an Anthony Volpe RBI double, and the Yanks look to stay hot when they welcome in the Baltimore Orioles tomorrow after an off day today out in Queens. The Mets stayed hot as well, sweeping the Cleveland Guardians in a doubleheader yesterday to bring their current win streak to five. They won the first game five to four behind six shutout innings from Max Scherzer and homers from Marte and Nimmo and rounded out the sweep with a two to one victory in game two behind a gem from Justin Verlander and a big game time solo shot in the sixth off the bat of Francisco Lindor. Now two games over 500. The Mets are in a much different place than they were in at this point last week with sole possession of second place in the NL East. Just five games back of the first place Braves. They get rewarded with an off day today as well before heading to Chicago for a three-game set with the Cubs starting tomorrow night. On the hardwood, the Heat roast the Celtics 128-102 in Miami to take a commanding 3-0 series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. Tonight, the Nuggets will try and close out the Lakers in Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals. Up three games to none, they'll look to complete the sweep and punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. In hockey, the Golden Knights beat the Stars 3-2 in overtime uh, to take a 2-0 series lead in the West Final. Tonight, the Hurricanes and Panthers will drop the puck for Game 3 of the East Final at 8 p.m. Florida currently holds a two games to none series lead. And Brooks Kepka wins the 2023 PJ Championship at nine under par at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. The win marks Kepka's third PGA Championship title as well as his fifth major and your winner at the 2023 Preakness Stakes National Treasure. Here with sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. He is the king of the overnights. Gets about a twelve rating every time. He's a ratings monster. Him and I, the big guns, Frank Morano, who's a great listener as well, and he joins me right now as our first guest of this new week on this Monday morning. Frank, what's going on, my friend? Hello, Sid. I'm flattered that you would put me in uh, your category. Obviously, morning radio is a different ballgame than uh, than overnights. And I was listening to your conversation with another one of our colleagues on Friday, and he sort of sarcastically said, when you were talking about the ratings, he sort of sar- sarcastically said, oh, please, teach me more about yeah, ratings. Let me yeah. tell you something. I see the numbers that you're doing, and more importantly, I hear the quality of the show that you're producing, and I would welcome uh, yeah. any instruction yeah. that you have to give me and uh, be grateful to get it. That's uh, nice of you to say. That was Greg Kelly, who then went on his own show on Friday afternoon and kind of made fun of me for the first six minutes talking about his wife because he's like, I'm on hold for Sid. He's talking about his wife. And uh, I said it moments ago, Greg, you do what you do. You get a 2.7, which is basically irrelevant. I get a 7.5. I own this city. 
and then uh, keep doing it. Uh, and maybe one of these days I'll come to the realization I may be onto something. So thank you for saying that, Frank. Let's get to the big Curtis Borelli feud that went down on Friday. Curtis alleging that he's got information that there'll be some illegals sent to a couple of spots on Staten Island, including the uh, Tony Argento's place. Borelli starts texting me. He's going nuts. Curtis is a liar. He's wrong. He's lying. It gets all the way back. I mean, the mayor's mad at Curtis on Sunday. Everybody mad at Curtis, but maybe maybe nobody more angry than Joe Borelli. Now, you're in the middle of this because you work with Curtis, and Borelli is one of your boys out there on Staten Island. How ugly and real is the Joe Borelli-Curtis-Sliwa feud? Well, I think, you know, it it has been festering for quite a bit. And really, it began sort of a year and a half, two years ago on your program with Bernie at the time, when uh, I think, you know, Curtis was doing his shtick, which he's done with me, he's done with you, which, you know, we kind of just take in stride and view it for what it is, which is just theater. But Joe comes from more of a political background and less of a, you know, less of a showmanship background. He takes the criticism from Curtis very personally and very seriously because, you know, he backed Curtis and was one of the first, I think, the first elected official to back him. So this has been festering for a while, and this was just th- like throwing gasoline on the fire. <laughs> I mean, from from Joe's perspective, uh, Joe uh, obviously wants the best for his uh, his constituents, but from, uh, and I think, you know, he's right. There is a deed restriction on this property which prohibits it from being used on anything uh, uh, except being a studio at the moment. And certainly he's never gotten a campaign contribution from Argento, as as Curtis, I think, may have claimed at some point. Now, he never but, claimed that. He just kind of threw that out there as a possibility in defense of Curtis. And I told Barretti that it wasn't like Curtis said, hey, give back those checks. That didn't happen. Right. Okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But, you know, I, I think Anthony Weiner brought up a good point on uh, Friday's program when they were filling in for Kilmeade, which is from Curtis's perspective, it's really win-win. If the migrants get sent there, then Curtis was right. If they don't get sent there, then Curtis can say that he stopped it. So how do you say that he was wrong? I mean, he really is in a no-lose position. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I love what he's doing. And you heard Joanne Ariola on Friday, and, and uh, you listened to the show, which I'm really sure. honored. I mean, you're up all night, you're barely sleeping, you still listen. And you were kind of taken aback, as were most people, even Margaret Powers, who's a friend, a dear friend of Joanne Ariola. She's the one who texted me. She's married to Paul King, who ran against Gregory Meeks. She texted me and said, help us, please put on Joanne. Even she was taken aback about how yeah, defensive I, Joanne was. It was almost like Joanne was more worried about her political career than any of us out in Rockaway. Yeah, look, I have nothing against Joanne, and I think she's got a great reputation. But one, I think just as Joe was ticked off at Curtis for being um, un- unappreciative of his support of Curtis's campaign, keep in mind when Joanne Areola ran for borough president in Queens, Curtis was out there campaigning for her, and then the first thing she did in the mayor's race was go out there and, and endorse Fernando Mateo and do whatever she could to bash Curtis. So there was clearly something very personal with uh, Joanne 
Ben and uh, and Curtis, and I think that really came across in terms of her commentary. I get what she's saying that she doesn't want to uh, whatever phrase she used encourage fear mongering, but I don't think what you guys were doing was fear mongering. I, I think it was being attentive and proactive. And uh, if um, it, I, I mean, it really, it strikes me as an opportunity to, for everybody to work together towards the same right. goal, right. but it, rather than rather than score some points. So I'm not saying anything negative about Joanne, but it's clear her enmity for Curtis was very, very apparent. Uh, one more. This is interesting because uh, besides a text about Borelli and Sliwa this weekend, the other mass text I received was about Cuomo. I guess he's back on this station on Wednesday. Fine. I wouldn't put him on my show. I thought about it once. It was a bad idea. I'm glad it didn't happen. But listen, if John is doing it, that's fine. John's my guy. He's going to be on uh, the Rita Cosby show. And a few people, especially Janice Dean, as you can imagine, are very, very upset. And this well, continues to be, I guess, the, really, uh, the rehabilitation of Andrew Cuomo. In my opinion, you can't rehabilitate the guy until he comes out and actually is accountable and admits he did some things that were not bad but god-awful, if not murder, in this state. What are your thoughts on the rehabilitation of the former governor? Well, it's clear that he's trying to run for U.S. Senate or something uh, in the next year or two. And obviously, I think it's great radio to have him on because, you know, he can be a newsmaker, although so far he's been just as boring as his father was when his father tried to be a talk show host on this station. Uh, But uh, honestly, he I think people if this is going to be a really a no holds barred interview on Tuesday afternoon where people are going to call in. Well, that's what they're billing it as. I think people need to hold him accountable, not just for the nursing home scandal and bail reform, but so much more. Remember, he ran on a platform of eliminating corruption. And what did he do? His only thing that he did was eliminate the Moreland Commission and interfere with it. Keep in mind, you know, he eliminated the Moreland Commission uh, pretty conveniently. But after all of his friends went to prison, which he should have gone to as well. Yeah, and that's another thing. He's a real profile in courage, sticking up for his friend Joe Percoco after the Supreme Court vacated his conviction. Where was he a week ago before the Supreme Court vacated his position? And he, I mean, it's such a joke, but he also raised taxes. He also bashed uh, anybody that's conservative uh, and said the reason the people are moving out of New York is the weather. The guy is just delusional. Bail reform and nursing, uh, the nursing homes uh, are just the tip of the iceberg with this guy. The guy was a total disaster as governor. Governor, and for him to be able to sit in judgment of anyone is beyond me. Now, now his latest thing is taking issue with Tish James for using her office to bash him politically. And I think he's right about that. And she did try to use it for political opportunism. But he did the same thing when he was attorney general, trying to step all over both Elliot Spitzer and David Patterson because they were in his way. So uh, some might be, say that what he experienced, while unfair to some extent, was a big piece piece of karma coming right back at him. I love it. Well, what a great job, Frank. By the way, I know you mentioned Chris Christie uh, running for president. Anthony Scaramucci will join me at 840. He has decided to give his money to Chris Christie. And according to Anthony, and I think you did tell me this, the owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohen, may very well be giving money to Chris Christie as well. We'll talk to Scaramucci coming up at 840 this morning. But as always, Frank, 
filled with information, entertaining the absolute best, the best overnight host in this city by a mile, the other side of midnight, 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday, my guy, Frank Morano. Great job, Frank. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Honored to be here. If people ever can't stay up in the midnight hours, the late night hours, they can always check out the podcast, WABCRadio.com. All right, thank you for that, WABCRadio.com. Check out Frank's show. He really is an immense, not good, an immense talent. All right, we start off with Frank. That's a great way to start. Lots more big names about to come your way, including Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, the aforementioned Anthony Scaramucci, and a full hour in studio from 9 to 10. New book coming out tomorrow with Judge Janine Pirro. Only one hour in the books, three big ones to come. On your favorite talk show in New York City, that's us, sitting friends in the morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I don't think that a radio personality should take to the airwaves and put out information that's not confirmed. I haven't heard anything about any hotels in Howard Beach, especially Howard Beach, which it is uh, the one hotel he mentioned is run by people who live in this neighborhood and would never put migrants in their hotel. The other uh, in Ozone Park, and there's not been any indication that they're going there. So that's my councilwoman right there, Joanne Ariola, who, again, I like. I like her a lot. She introduced me to politics in New York at Russo's on the Bay almost six years ago. But I thought her performance on Friday was bitchy and lousy. That's my opinion. And that radio person she was talking about specifically was my friend Curtis Sliwa, who does a great job noon to one every weekday and, of course, all weekend long, and everybody in the city hates Curtis right now. The mayor's office hates him. Joanne hates him. The guys out on Staten Island, Borelli, Pacella, they hate him. And let me tell you why they hate him. Because so far he's been right every time. And the politicians have not. And I'm not here to say that Curtis is going to be right every time moving forward. I don't know. But I'm a sports guy. I go by records. You show me a guy who's 8-0, and I'll show you a guy having a very, very good season. So when people are yelling and screaming and so angry and take it so personal, it's because a lot of times they're either wrong or hiding something. And I would rather my neighborhood in Rockaway Beach, Bell Harbor, Neponset, Cross Bay Boulevard, Howard Beach, I'd rather all these neighborhoods prepare for the worst and hope for the best rather than put their trust in these politicians who so far haven't done dick. With that said, here he is, my guy, Curtis Slee. Well, good morning. Thank you, Sid, for going to the mat. And I know you've been catching a lot of heat. I have. From your political <laughs> friends, but telling the truth. Now, I want to make an apology first. I never do this. You know I hate Lou Ruffino with a passion. Yes, you do, yes. 
Lou Rafino was the one who came in in the old WABC when I was with Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie. Who I got to get to him later, too. He's putting out Facebook posts how he stopped some maniac on the streets of New York yesterday with a box cutter, and he made the point to say, I didn't have to kill him, which is a shot at Daniel Penny. Ron Kuby. Shut up. Please, shut up. Go ahead, Kurt. Uh, you got to tell the story about how he got knocked out in the streets of Chelsea and he had a white guy arrested for doing it. It would have been a black guy. He wouldn't have done it. But anyway, I tell you that. <laughs> so um, Joe Nolan said, not too many people say nice things about Lou. Right. He's absolutely right. But Joe Beningo showered him with beautiful stuff on Friday uh, and Saturday. Let me tell you something. Uh, it was Lou who came into the control room and was staring at me as we were broadcasting. And I told Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie, we're dead. We're dead. That's Imus's main guy. They're bringing him in. No, no, they're not bringing him in. I said, let me tell you something. You're going to be dedicating your life to freeing up all the criminals and the enemies of society <laughs> as a defense attorney, which he continues to do. You're going to be fired. And I was correct. Yes. And and Lou knew that he had a smile on his face at that moment, like the cat that swallowed Tweety Bird. But this morning, when he was talking about the horses, yeah, especially the horse carriage, uh, my wife at that time, you know, she's not feeling well at all. Are you supposed to get those test results back today? Yeah, she's got to go for more tests, but it's been continued to research these LLCs that hide these hotel, motel operators that are doing business with the city to take illegal aliens in against the wishes of their citizens. She works hard. And by the way, now that you said that, uh, Joanne Ariola, I do want to tell you that while you talked about two motel hotels in Howard Beach where you said one would never take them in, one's in Ozone Park, I'm sure she's aware there's a motel right by Lenny's Clam Bar where I go every Friday night, basically, right across the street from Jen Delandro's Botox office that has been housing migrants for months. So you may not know this, maybe you do, but there's already illegals in Howard Beach as of this morning. Of course, and you see Eric Adams is dropping them everywhere overnight. But remember that horse carriage, uh, uh, horse rider who collapsed in the street and we saw the video yeah, yeah. of the horse carriage uh, rider whipping him trying yeah. to pull him up yeah the horse. and he eventually had to be euthanized it turned out he was 10 years older than they said my wife was crying enormously and she begged me she said never do any more horse racing you know i always do the predictions if you see fear city on netflix which talked about rudy taking down the mob the first scenes of me in the barber chair talking about how the Bonanno family used to shake down my uncle, Jimmy Scavone, who was a degenerate gambler, used to have the racing form right there in the butcher shop in Canarsie, across from Canarsie High School. I watched that. I hated those guys. I've hated them ever since. And so I know all about the horse racing game. Actually, now that you said that, you were adamant to make picks for the Kentucky Derby. And then on Friday, you didn't even mention the Preakness Stakes. So clearly you're listening to your lovely wife, Nancy. Notice Bob Babbert came back after a two-year suspension for yeah. juicing horses. The greatest trainer ever, Bob Baffert. But a total asshole. <laughs> I met him at the track, right? Yeah. Yeah. A total asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he's allowed back in. He sneaks in because he had been juicing horses. Yeah. And in a preliminary race, his first horse out has to be euthanized on the track. And while they're euthanizing the horse, people don't realize... They're playing, oh, my God, Tupac Shakur, California, in the background. Terrible. The poor horse is dying. Look at all these horses dying. 
And so I will never go to another another track You're again. You're done. You're finished. And remember, I was up at Ciro's. I'd go to Saratoga in the summer. I know. Rick Pitino Horseman, Bill Parcells. Mike Francesco. That's right. They would all greet me. Oh, yeah. he's one of us. Rick Pitino came in. He said, hey, you know who's here? The guy who saved New York City, Curtis wow. Sliwa. That's cool. I said, oh, my God. And remember, Rick Pitino, University of Massachusetts, Amherst, he went there. Yeah. Dr. J went there. Coming yes, he out did. Of Roosevelt. Yes, he did. Do you imagine in front of all these horsemen yeah. and wise guys there who didn't like me, but when Rick Pitino got up, you know, he's like a movie star guy. He's, he's saving St. John's. Uh, guys, yeah. I respect you. You respect. I will never go to That's another fair. horse race. For again. folks who don't know who Rick Pitino is, just so you know, he was uh, one of the greatest college coaches, still is, as uh, Curtis just mentioned. He was just hired here at St. John's, but great runs at both Kentucky and Louisville. Also coached the Knicks, a young Nick Patrick Ewing team, to the playoffs and the Boston Celtics. He's beloved here in New York. So, yes, if Rick Pitino. Says something nice about Curtis Sliwa. That's a big deal. So you're done with horse racing. That's it. Done. Yeah. And I want to thank Lou for bringing that to everybody's attention. I'm not going to allow my wife to cry anymore. She's crying. Oh, you know, being yeah. married to my wife, she cries yeah. many times I because know. of me. <laughs> That's it. No more horse racing. But let's get back to my enemies out there who, if you notice, it's mostly my fellow Republicans, right? Yes. Let's start first with the little Pishia, the little Schmendrick out in Staten Island, who can't wait to take shots at me. He's texting you. Did you see where the text came from on Friday? Well, it said uh, Joe Borelli. I don't... It didn't say Check location. It. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Uh, Atlantic City. Atlantic City? Yeah, what the hell was he doing in Atlantic City? Uh, gambling? I don't know. They're, they're, they're running illegal aliens into Staten Island, which they've already done in all those no-tell motels. And then all of a sudden, he's texting you because you got the call from Big Tony, right? What was he doing in Atlantic City, huh? I don't know. Uh, ask him, ask him, Joe. But anyway, yeah. let's get back to Joanne Ario. <laughs> yeah. And Frank So Col that's it with Borelli, you guys, because it's, it's gotten very ugly. Uh, Remember uh, once uh, he was in Greece and he called in. And I like Joe. Just I want to, I want to be very transparent. I like you both. Uh, but I will defend you in this. And he called you, uh, I think, an ingrate, yes. which made you very upset. Very yes, upset. an ingrate, even yeah. though he was in Greece for a month <laughs> while crime was skyrocketing in Staten Island, which it still is. How's you saw the 13-year-old kid a vacation once in a get while. shot right in the head. I did see that, yes. And Stapleton, he's, he's basically brain dead now. Yeah. And what's what's happening at 268% increase? But let, let's go to Joanne Let's Ariola. go to Joanne, okay. Joanne Ariola and Frank Morano was spot on with her. I'm out there. I'm campaigning for her for borough president, a Republican running against Donovan Richards. Later on, I find out, through you know who in Queens, why are you out there knocking yourself out? Do you know that Eric Ulrich, the city councilman, the Queens GOP chairman that she was going to replace, has held two fundraisers for the cop hater Donovan Richards, who she was running against. Who won? Donovan won. Right. And calls everybody a racist now. Right. It's like uh, he, oh, he's, he's exactly like Robin yes. Holden. Yes. He's a racist. Elizabeth Crowley. She, if you're white, you're a racist. So Eric Ulrich is holding two fundraisers for her. I confront her. I said, what's up with this? Oh, well, he's a personal friend. Oh, my God. This is this is right out of Julius Caesar. I said, Whoa. This is at two, Joanne. Right, right. I got your back. What about my back? I said, oh. So now we have a cop hater in there. Uh, Donovan Richards, who hates white people, that Eric Ulrich was doing two public 
uh, campaign fundraisers for no while his so-called friend Joanne Ariola was running for borough president. So you understand what I mean? The technology. I see. Yes, yes, and yes. I thought that's why yes. she can't get over this. All I've done is give information out over the air. Well, we're talking about Queens. Uh, I know that uh, one of your ex-wives, you've got many, more than players on the Mets, Melinda Katz. She's doing a terrible job. So now two different people, Jennifer Harrison, I know you like her. She started Victim Rights New York. Her boyfriend was murdered. She was right there, front and center, when Jim Jordan came to uh, New York City. You remember all that. Uh, her and just yesterday, Tom Biggers, who heads the New York Police Department Running Club. Thousands ran yesterday. Both of them have talked to me about some guy named Grasso, Judge Grasso, and I should endorse him to replace Melinda Katz. I've said yes, but I always run things through you. Have you heard anything about this, Judge? Uh, first off, he's running as a Democrat in the primary well, against Melinda. It's a primary Melinda, against right? Melinda, yes. And yet he goes and talks at all Republican clubs. That's correct. That's Schmuck, why I like him. But <laughs> you have to get Democrats to vote for you. There are no Democrats in Republican clubs. And you're not the Republican candidate. They have their own candidate for district attorney. So what are you going to do? Knock yourself out? I mean, come on, connect the dots. You're running in a Democratic primary, and you're talking at Republican clubs? You're not going to get any Democratic well, votes I mean, on June 27th. The problem is he's a pro-police, you know, a, a common-sense guy. He should have went for the Republican nomination, but he, he hates Republicans. Oh, he does? Of course, he's a okay. Democrat. Right. Right. Come on, right. connect the dots, Sid. <laughs> okay. He goes and talks to them. He says, give me your money. But he wouldn't run on the Republican line. Why? Why is that? Anyway, so he can't win. Diaper. He can't win. Go ahead. Hey, right. look, anybody can possibly win. He right. wants to knock himself out. But you got to get Democratic voters. You don't do that at Republican clubs. Well, that's one. And then I give warnings out, people I don't even know. Yvette Aguirre, the supervisor of Riverhead, calls me up. Remember? Oh, yes. Right here on this show, you, I said. You had that first. They're dumping a 1,000 illegal aliens in Riverhead. There are three property owners who have already made a deal with Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. She calls me. She says, Curtis, I said, here are the people. Check it out. She did. All of a sudden, executive order, no illegal aliens coming into Riverhead, which, as you know, that's how you go to the North Fork there, to Montauk, and that's how you go out to the Southamptons. They have the county jail. They're filled with MS-13, bad hombres. She puts out the executive order. Oh, you're basing this on what Curtis Lee would say. And now in Suffolk County, they're hiring a lawyer to prevent Eric Adams from shipping any illegal aliens there. Are you crazy out there? He's dumping them on you left, right, every which way. You can make fun of me. You can say I'm a liar. You can say I'm exaggerating, embellishing. So far, I've been right on the money. Republicans and Democrats, shame on you. I want to know if you're being wine dined in parking line. And right now, my wife, Nancy, of the firm of Sliwa & Sliwa, who has coronary issues, has to go back for testing today, is on her laptop, and she's going to track you down. And I'm going to announce it right here on Sit in the Morning 705. And when I do the rip and read, Monday through Friday, 12 to 1, right here on WABC. I'm coming for all of you, you traitors, you backstabbers, Joanne Ariola, you supported Donovan Richards for borough president, the cop hater, through your buddy Eric Owens. Go 
denied it. Deny it. You will turn it off. Go ahead. Come at me. Bring your best there. Get in the ring with me. You jump around with texting from Atlantic City on Friday. What were you doing there, Joe? Shooting craps at the Bordaga. The Bordaga getting all those freebies. Snoring stuff with Frank Morano. Your very dear friend. I'm coming after all of you. And you, Eric Adams, shoving people in the Roosevelt Hotel. I'm playing tape of black homeless people outside in the rain that you won't let into the Roosevelt. And guess what? They're U.S. citizens. You don't care about the brothers and sisters. You don't care about black people. You care about illegal aliens. You are the mayor of illegal aliens. You are not my mayor. Well, at least in your mind, if you want to be. Oi! This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Birthday to Bernie Toppin today. Bernie co-wrote all these big Elton John songs, I believe, including this one, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. So, happy birthday to Bernie. Is that correct, musical genius Louis Lucino? He uh, did write the lyrics for this and a there lot of go. other songs, yes. Yeah. Very, uh, very, very great music 73 guy. years old. 73, yes. So, I got a, uh, a text I told you from my buddy Craig Carton, afternoon host on FAN on Saturday. And they're going to play this uh, charity softball game at our stadium, mind you. John Katsimatidis, Staten Island University Hospital Stadium, where the Ferry Hawks were playing good baseball. That's where uh, we play our home games. Homer Bush led Staten Island Ferry Hawks. So it turns out it's going to be on uh, June 17th at 6 p.m. I have nothing to do with this. Stop texting me. Can I play? Can I play? No, you can't play. I have nothing to do with it. It's Craig's game. But they're benefiting a guy named Joseph Lem. And uh, it's Craig Carton and Evan Roberts taking on the Midday Show, which is hosted by Tiki Barber, the former Giant Great, and Brandon Tierney. going to be fun. And we have all these famous people there. But, of course, Craig reached out to me because nobody's more famous than me. Nobody. But this guy, Joseph Lem, uh, I want to correct uh, what I said earlier. I thought he died from cancer. I'm wrong. He was a technical sergeant 
with the 105th Security Forces Squadron and a detective with the NYPD. He sacrificed his life in the line of duty on December 21st, 2015, to save others. Following this tragedy, the Joseph Lamb Memorial Foundation was established in his memory to honor first responders and United States military servicemen and women. The foundation provides scholarships to students pursuing careers in service and provides aid to families of the fallen. Which, again, considering what I did just yesterday morning, showing up for my good friend Tom Biggers for the annual NYPD Running Club's 5K race, makes it even better for me. I was there yesterday with Commissioner Sewell. I like her a lot. I do. I like her a lot. I know a lot of you folks uh, have a hard time with her. She's MIA. You blame Eric Adams. I don't know. Every time I see her, she's great. So I saw her yesterday. I saw Pat Lynch and Biggers and I was at that same wall just uh, three weeks ago in Battery Park when they unveiled 77 more names, including Mrs. Simonson and uh, Capra and others, on that really uh, beautiful wall in Battery Park. So I'm all too happy to play alongside Craig in this game coming up on June the 17th on Staten Island. So we've had Frank Morano, We've had Curtis Sliwa. Still some more great guests to come. Rich Lowry coming up next. He's always great on a Monday. 8.40, Anthony Scaramucci. And the entire 9 o'clock hour, I'll be joined live in studio by my favorite personality. Yes, I'll include Jesse Waters and Brian Kilmeade. My favorite personality on Fox News. Her new book coming out tomorrow. And that is Judge Janine Pirro. She's at Fox News right now, 9 to 10, coming up with me this morning. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. They need to disband the NAACP today. Today, they're advising black people and gays not to go to Florida. I mean, you can't even make this up. I think Byron Donald's Republican out of Florida, black man, mind you, runs the House Oversight Committee. He's on Fox News now talking about how ridiculous this is. I mean, Ron DeSantis, all he does, and John Katsimatidis uses these two words all the time, all he does is provide common sense. He's not my first choice. Donald Trump still is. But, oh, that's all Ron DeSantis does. That's it. I mean, I'm kind of with him, not kind of 100%. I'd rather my kid read, I don't know, Catcher on the Ride than Gender Queer. Does that make me a bad guy, a homophobe? No. No, it doesn't. Makes me a good parent and a great American. So for the NAACP to do this, if they had any credibility left, I mean, the CDC, that's shot, that's over. They have zero credibility, zero. The WHO, they've got less. The White House has less than that, and now... The NAACP, they become a racist joke. I saw Al Sharpton on Friday at this Jordan Neely funeral. That was disgusting. Crying and calling out white people, making this all about white versus black, and make sure you send me your money. I want your money. I don't care that black kids die every day in Chicago. I want your money. 
So the Daniel Penny thing is still a big story. No verdict yet. My buddy Tom Kidip did a very good job of closing. In fact, that's what Judge Janine was talking about this morning on Fox News. She'll be live in studio for an entire hour, 9 to 10 this morning with me. Her new book, Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic, comes out tomorrow. So I'm reading the New York Post yesterday, talking about Daniel Penny. And uh, I always love it when my friend Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review, has his stuff syndicated in the New York Post. And that was the case yesterday. I was so excited. Rich Lowry, my guy, National Review. Daniel Penny is not a vigilante, but the left can't stop pretending. So here he is, National Review, NBC Political, and most importantly, a tremendous Monday morning guest with me, my good friend, Rich Lowry. Rich, that was a great column in yesterday's New York Post. Thank you, Sid. I appreciate that. A little disappointed, though, that the lead-in to my segment wasn't yet another rendition of the Bill O'Reilly praise of you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it enough. I can't, and I, I can't get enough. I played I it, it again, Sid. I played it five times last week. I played it at the top of every hour on Wednesday, and then I brought it back, Rich, when I introduced Bill O'Reilly on Thursday morning. So I played it five times. That's actually very funny. But on a serious note, uh, your column was terrific, and you said Daniel Penny is not a vigilante. But the left goes on and on as if he was, and all they're doing, this is the case every single time, is making a bad situation worse. So a a, a vigilante, you know, we all know it from Death Wish, right? Something terrible happens to you or your family, or you, you just don't like street punks. And, and you go out looking for trouble. That wasn't Daniel Penny. He just got on a train expecting it to be like a train ride any other day. And by the way, you're right, because uh, Death Wish was very personal for Charles Bronson. They raped his his, uh, his wife. They killed her. They raped his daughter. Bernie Getz, he was looking for trouble. He went yeah. on the train with a gun. Uh, yeah. To your point, Daniel Penny was just on the train. Yeah, exactly. And and you're going to have – I mean, this is the problem with it. If, you know, we'll see whether he actually gets indicted. It might might have trouble getting a grand jury actually to to formally charge him. But the problem in a trial, obviously, if you get there, is you can have all these witnesses saying, "Yeah, we were scared to death, and we were glad that someone stood up and acted." You know, and and it's going to be really hard for a prosecutor to get around that. We've talked about this before. Most of us, you know, it's it's natural human instinct. I don't want to get involved. You know, it's just going to be trouble. I'll look at my shoes. Maybe this guy will go away. And here's one guy who finally just didn't do that. He said he could hurt someone, probably not even Penny, right? He could hurt someone else, and I'm going to do something. Now, it went tragically wrong, which, you know, we shall all regret, and, and I believe Penny sincerely regrets. But uh, to, to make this guy out as, as some sort of, you know, bad egg and, and racist who's just looking Come on. looking for homeless, me- mentally ill people to hunt down on the trains is right. obviously ridiculous. I, I will tell you, talking to Knip as I do often, he's a good buddy, that if uh, Jordan Yelly was white, Daniel Penny would have done the same thing. And guess what? No one would be talking about it. I mean, is there a more despicable person? I mean this. This guy's on television every morning sitting there with Joe and Mika as if he's he's the, uh, I guess, the official word on what, I don't know. All he does is take money from people, doesn't pay taxes, starts race riots all over town, going back to the days in Crown Heights. Is there a more despicable human being than Al Sharpton? And the mayor, who I've tried to really like over the last couple of months, he loves this guy. I really yeah. believe that, and I, so does Sean Hannity, by the way. But anybody who's okay with Al Sharpton, I've got an issue with. He is a yeah, despicable I mean, human being. This, I mean, he, he moved from the, the fringes where he belonged 30 
years ago into the, the mainstream of the political and media establishment. The thing is, right. I don't know whether you've met him, you know, he's a charming guy. So he's got that going for so him. So is Hitler. So is, so is yeah, a lot so of the, uh, horrible uh, people, the, yeah. The effect he has on, on these sort of controversies is, is, is obviously awful. Yeah. Uh, some of the worst people in the history of our world were charming guys. Ted Bundy was incredibly charming, mm-hmm. but he murdered yeah. how many young females? I mean, I'm, and I get it. You know, you fall into that trap, and I've done that. I'm guilty of that. I, I don't like people. I meet them, and they become my best friend. So I'm yep. guilty of that. Yep. But that's not going to happen with Sharpton. He's just it's, – it's rough. So, yep. so, remember. so what do you – so you don't think in the end Daniel Penny will be indicted, or you don't think so? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think he could get indicted. Um, it, it just it just seems as though there, there's no way you're going to convict him. Uh, a jury of, of his peers is going to convict him. Given you know maybe he held on to Neely too long. You know it's, it's easy to say these things when you're not involved in the confrontation. But when he realizes he might be holding him too long, he he lets him go. Gets him on his side. Are you okay, man? You know, can you hear me? So there was obviously a solicitousness there to his Neely's welfare. So you, you combine that with the fact that Neely was a, threat, a menacing presence in that train. I just don't see how you can uh, convict him. And if you can't convict him, you shouldn't be charging him. God, I hope you're right. This is Rich Lowry, National Review. Had a great column in yesterday's New York Post about the Daniel Penny situation. But of course, the biggest story. In New York specifically, but also around the country, is the illegal crisis. The mayor, the governor, they want to get work authorizations right away because they felt badly for me and you, Rich, because we both live in New York. And guess who has to foot the bill for these migrants while they're drinking on stairwells in New York City and, and all that type of cool stuff? Me and you have to do that. And I'm sick of it. I don't want these people in my neighborhood. If that makes me a bad guy, fine, I'm a bad guy. I don't want them. So instead of just telling these people they can't come, and turn the buses around. Now we got to figure out a way to make it work. Get them work authorizations. Yep. Yep. Find them more hotels. Find them more places to live. I am so sick of all this and all the local politicians. I can't begin to tell you. Yeah. So the, I mean, the, the first thing, obviously, you should turn off the spigot at the border, which is with, with which is within our power and our control. And then they they shouldn't be able to get jobs. You know, and and I know this sounds harsh, but if, if there are no jobs, they, they wouldn't come. And this is why this so-called E-Verify system, uh, DeSantis has passed a statewide version in Florida, is so important. It just would make employers um, determine whether the, the labor is legal or not. And the, the people who are first and foremost hurt by illegal labor and the competition from it is legal labor and African-American labor and you know, low-skilled folks. So this is really bad for society at every level, but this is, this is the way it goes. They get in, then it's too harsh to make them leave. Then it's too harsh not to let them to work, let them work, and then they're de facto. You know, they won't be formal citizens for a long time, but they're de facto citizens, or at least as much citizens as they care to be. Right? Yeah. They they, they want the they want the job. So th- this is terrible. And the Biden spin. You know, the numbers have not been as overwhelming as they looked initially when it was ten, eleven thousand apprehensions a day. It's down to four or five thousand. But they do this false math where it's like it, something spikes like incredibly like spending or the deficit and then it goes down a little bit and they're like oh success right like <laughs> and, inflation like yeah, uh, inflation's cured would have right. been a d- debacle in any yeah. uh, you know in the trump years right since he titled 42 went away uh yes the numbers are down but not down and up like inflation like the numbers that you're talking about and then you've got uh, like i said all these local politicians here in new york they get angry when i come on the radio with curtis sliwa and we say hey that motel hey that hotel they get angry but the truth is their track records suck and we're not convinced 
that there's a hotel or any place, any place in any of these boroughs that can eventually, Adam said it himself, everything is up for debate. Every place is up for talk. So when some local politician comes on and starts yelling at us as radio folks causing trouble, what do you want us to do? Yeah, exactly. And, and you're, you're, you're living near that hotel. Instantly, your neighborhood changes and is blighted. Instantly, you know, you don't want your kid out, out on the out on the street. So the, the, they got to go somewhere. They can't just all be in Texas. Uh, so this is sort of, you know, I understand what Greg Abbott is doing. And I think politically, it's been an enormous success. It's made, you know, Eric, would Eric Adams be saying anything about the border if, if these migrants had to no. be coming, coming no. to New York? Of course no. not. No. But there's a huge price to it. But the price is these illegal people coming in in the first place. So stop. It. Eric Adams was saying nothing last year when your colleague at the New York Post, Miranda Devine, and a guy that ran for governor, Rob Bastorino, broke it open. They said, do you realize that in the middle of the night in Westchester, Stewart Airport, all these little airports in New York, these illegals are coming in because of Joe Biden? I never heard Eric Adams Mm -hmm. mention a word back then. Now he's inundated. Now he can't handle it. Now I'm overwhelmed. Last year, a year and a half ago, we knew about this. Not a word from Eric Adams or Kathy Hochul. Yep. No, absolutely. And they're, they're just experiencing what El Paso did. And they're, they're, I guess they're, they're, uh, their argument is just it should all be in El Paso. But why? You know, exactly. El Paso is an American city. New York City is an American city. This is a national problem, and you need a president of the United States to solve it. So how could Joe Biden? You know, Bill O'Reilly brought this up last week. Like 40% of Americans still think Joe Biden's doing a good job. And I know you hate Donald Trump. I get it. Can't you hate Donald Trump? And at the same time, admit Joe Biden is the worst president ever. Or are you nervous if you say that, that makes Trump's path back to the White House easier? No, I would say he's one of the worst presidents ever. It's not that's not complicated. That's not hard at all. And but, I, but I, I really think the Dems, some Dems are afraid to say that because then they're worried that oh, that makes it easier oh, for yeah, Trump. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, of course. So they're propping him up, but they got a. I wrote about this over the weekend. You saw the little uh, Biden stumble in Japan. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like the worst thing in the world because he, he writes himself. But w- what is it like an inch, uh, an inch more one way or the other? He could face plant down like three concrete steps. <laughs> to be international embarrassment, a political crisis, and they're they're in for that like every day until November 2024. <laughs> he could fall at any time, and I don't wish it on him. I think it'll be terrible. Yeah, but the, no, it's I don't an care. Enormous risk. Yeah. It's an enormous risk. I'm, I'm a much worse person than you. I just don't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't want people to die and get hurt, but I don't. I don't care. Uh, I'm so sick of him. I really am. Him, his family, the corruption, the lies, the nastiness. He's not just old and decrepit and has a cognitive issue. He's a scumbag. That's my opinion, Rich. Yeah. But uh, well, he's, he's never an honest guy. No, never. So let's get to Ron DeSantis. He's going to announce this week that he's running for president, even though he's down about 40 points in a lot of the polls. But I did read yesterday, Rich, while reading your column, that a mega, mega donor pulled their money from Donald Trump yesterday, does DeSantis get back in the race once he officially jumps in, or is he making a mistake? Should he wait till 2028? I don't think he can wait. Uh, I, I, if, if just waiting, is, he's not going to be as hot as he, he is now. And plus, having teased it so much and told so many people he's going to do it, then to pull up short would, would be really embarrassing. So he's in. I mean, it's really an audacious thing. I think people tend to forget this. They've gotten used to the idea of running. But he's running against the 800-pound the gorilla when it looked like, you know, maybe in January the 
the 800-pound gorilla is down to 400 or 500 pounds. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's still at 800, maybe 1,000, right? <laughs> and he's still in. Um, and we'll see. I think he has to move the numbers at least a little bit nationally. And then, you know, their focus is going to be on Iowa where it's looked – Trump hasn't looked quite as strong. And uh, that's going to – Trump wins Iowa. is probably all over. If DeSantis wins Iowa or someone else wins Iowa, then you got a real race. But uh, he's got a huge, a huge task on on his his hands. You know, he's going to have a lot of money. I think he has a message. Uh, I think he's much better than people who flamed out like Scott Walker and Jeb Bush. But it's a huge, huge yeah. political task. Agreed. Wow, these next seventeen months they're going to be really exciting. And what better place to watch it unfold every day? Them with Sid Rosenberg and Rich Lowry on WABC. Another great appearance, buddy. I love you so much. Thank you, Rich. My man. There he is. Rich Lowry, editor, National Review, Political NBC. Great column yesterday in the New York Post. Daniel Penny is not a vigilante, but the left can't stop pretending. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Gnomes Nuggets. Anthony Scaramucci. He's putting his money behind Chris Christie and a full hour. This is awesome stuff. Live in studio. Her new book, Crimes Against America, comes out tomorrow. The great judge, Janine Pirro, 9 to 10, right here with me, coming up this morning. Don't change this dial. Sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. You're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy, today, Morrissey, the Smiths, How Soon Is Now, off of the great album, Meter's Murder. Of course, they used this song for the show Charm. How Soon Is Now, but Morrissey. Not, but not them. They used another band. Yeah, it was a different band, right? Yeah. Love Spit Love. Interesting. Yeah, they didn't use the Smiths. It's kind of like um, The Doors did People Are Strange, but I believe there was a TV show that used Echo and the Bunnymen's version, I a believe. A movie. The movie, okay, there you go. So you know everything. What um, don't you know? uh, The Lost Boys. Look at you. I think I want to bang you, though, I think. I'm not sure yet, but... Wow. I think, yeah. Finally, after all these years? After all these years. Yeah. yeah, Took 30 years, but we're there. You almost had me in the car the other (laughs) night, but that's fine. Oh, I had you in the car the other night. What a blast we had. And uh, just to recap quickly, as we did in the 6 o'clock hour to start the show, what a weekend it was. And it started Friday night when Lou and MJ... 
beautiful fiance picked me up uh, all the way down to Lower Manhattan, and we drove out to Hackensack, New Jersey, to co-host the Joe Beningo Oh the Pain podcast, and it was a blast. Joe was great. First uh, show we've done together in 18 years since I left FAN full-time. I worked part-time there until 2014, but I left full-time in 2005. So 18 years since Sid and Joe, we did it Friday night in front of over 100 people, mind you, live studio audience at the Hackensack Brewery. His wife, Terry, was there, his daughter, Erin, son-in-law, Andre. It was a – Kenny was there, Scott. It was a great time. Lewis uh, loved it. Uh, Lewis, in fact, got on stage, talked with Joe a little bit. You're part of the – Part of the podcast. Haven't seen Joe in a while. He looks good. He looks good. He's very, uh, man, he is still fired up. Still fired up. Still great. He gets tired now. You notice he got tired. He's like, I got to go home. <laughs> but he sounds exactly the same now as he did 20 years ago. Just like when he came on our show here last Wednesday. He was great. Bro. He was great, bro. Yeah. And we did the whole thing. The Jets, the Mets, the Knicks, the Rangers, the Giants. Of course, I infused some politics. But what surprised me, as I mentioned earlier, was... Beningo is still an FAN guy, even though he does appear on this show. The amount of people who showed up on Friday night that listened to us, not Boomer and Fat Geo, us, was surprising to me. I was happy about it, but it was surprising. People actually came up to have stuff signed, pictures of me, me and Bernie, that type of thing. It's cool. I didn't think we were ever going to leave. <laughs> yeah, me either, man. Was... We couldn't get out. No. The way out, all the uh, people were very, very kind. There's yeah. a lady named Sally from Lodi. She was great. Some uh, family with a little baby actually held a baby, took some pictures. Pictures with the baby. Yeah, the guy that uh, we make his, uh, he makes duties now. It's bearable because of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a wild exit, but it was a great time. And Lou, you were funny as hell and terrific. We had a very nice dinner. We met Keith Smolin. We did meet Keith Smolin. Nice. He's one of the greats. I've met him before, of course, but he's a terrific guy. He runs that Sid Rosenberg fan page, which for the most part is anything but. But we love Keith, and his heart's in the right place. And then Saturday night, I went to Il Cortile, my favorite Italian restaurant, Mulberry Street in Little Italy, to see my good friend Tommy and Sal, my buddies. And little did I know that when I walked in, who's sitting next to me? Elvis Duran. And I love Elvis. I met Elvis on occasion We've met a couple of times over the years. Not often. He did get me Jingle Ball tickets about 20 years ago. We had such a good time on Saturday night. Me, Danielle, Danielle's friend Jessica, Elvis Duran, his husband Alex, at El Cortile. It was great. And thank you to Tommy. I dropped off a signed 8 by 10 a couple of weeks ago. And I have this one table I always sit at, always. And there's a picture of Jimmy Gandolfini right by the table. He added my picture, put it right next to Jimmy. You talk about being in good company. Me and Tony Soprano, 8 by 10s at my table at Il Cortile. Tommy was great as always. So was Sal. That was Saturday. And then Sunday morning, right outside my apartment, I live in Battery Park. Now, I'm going home in about three weeks. I think June 8th, I'm heading back to Bell Harbor. Thank God. But the building I'm in now is right upstairs from the NYPD Memorial Wall. And my good friend Tom Biggers, who was on this show last Wednesday, he runs the NYPD Running Club. And yesterday was the annual 5K run, which they start at the Memorial Wall, which I was at just three weeks ago when they added 77 more names, unfortunately. And uh, Tommy put on this uh, little press conference, and there was a podium there. It was Tom Biggers. It was the commissioner, Shul. I love her. Sorry, folks. 
Some of you don't like her. I love her. She is so sweet, so respectful, and so nice, and she's tough as nails. And if somebody is not letting her do her job to the fullest, it ain't her fault. I love her. So Commissioner Sewell was there. Pat Lynch, PBA president, he was a mensch. Tom Biggers. And Tom was kind enough to introduce me, which I didn't really, I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. I just woke up, just got my Starbucks coffee standing to the side. But he said, there's Sid Rosenberg, host at WABC, number one in New York. And he is living proof of people that love and respect our police. So thank you, Sid, which I thought was very, very nice. And then uh, Craig Carton, WFAN, invited me Saturday to play in the annual Carton Roberts Kiki Tourney softball game a charitable game at our stadium on Staten Island, John Katzmatidi Stadium, and donations go to the Joseph Lem, a hero cop, his foundation. So what a weekend, huh, Lewis? That was the weekend. I'm worn out. A lot of radio talent there. Joe Beningo, Sid Rosenberg, Craig Carton, Elvis Duran. Pretty good, no? No. Yeah. Yeah. But those guys do what I do. They talk about their personal lives and... We don't like to do that here because, no, no. God forbid, we get ratings. really good ratings like me. We don't want to do that. No. 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 Yeah. Leave it out. <laughs> Leave it out. <laughs> oh, no, I know what your wife uh, and you guys yeah. are doing. That's great. Yeah, that is great, buddy. That's the difference between your 2.7 and the first week of May came back. I very rarely do this, but we did get a 7.6, which is unheard of, 12 plus AQH, to be exactly correct. 7.6 to your 2.7. So maybe you should talk about your wife more. People will find it more interesting than the inundation of Donald Trump. So Eric Adams, the mayor, he's going to join us at some point this week. And I've been down on the mayor. I have not been very nice on this show. You know that. I've been very, very critical. That didn't stop both Fabian Levy and Eric Adams from texting me this weekend and agreeing to come on at some point this week. But yesterday he was on Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan. Is that, is that her name, Margaret Brennan? Mar- yes. Yeah, Margaret Brennan yes, on uh, CBS. Uh-huh. Dickerson used to do that show, Dick, her oh. son. Oh, my God. But he's on with Gail King now, that abortion, every morning on CBS. So Adams is on Face the Nation, and he talked about Biden, I guess. He never mentions Biden by name. He always says federal government, national government. It's always the interview were. That mentions Biden. And Adams never goes, you're right, Biden's killing us. Never does that. Talks about the federal. He did it again yesterday. Cut number one, Eric Adams blaming the administration. Have you asked the federal government? Have you asked Homeland Security? Have you asked President Biden to figure this out in terms of what you're talking about? Take migrants from the border and move them throughout the United States so they're not just landing in cities like yours. I traveled to Washington several times. I had conversation with FEMA about a financial allocation and proper resources to the city. I had communications with the White House on several occasions. I have, I have communicated with our congressional delegation who clearly understands uh, how important this issue is. So, yes, we've had numerous conversations uh, to resolve this issue in a, in a real way. And it's just, unf- again, unfair to the city of New York and all of yeah. our cities to carry the burden of a national problem. In this second cut, once again, Margaret Brennan faced the nation. The mayor talks about money, and I mentioned this two hours ago. I'll do it again. Congratulations to Lee Zeldin, not only for doing a great job running for governor, he lost to the witch, Kathy Hochul. But um, Zeldin said last week, it's not just about the money. 
There's a million things that go into this illegal crisis that makes it impossible for tax-paying, law-abiding citizens like me. But Adams is always caught up on the money, like the money can fix it. That's not true, but money would help. I agree with that. And once again, Eric Adams bitching about the money. This, Lewis, is cut number two. You said that the president and the White House have failed New York City and that you don't have access to federal dollars to deal with the migrant crisis. But the administration reportedly has pledged $30 million to deal with those arrivals. Why the discrepancy? I don't think that's a discrepancy. We've spent uh, over a billion dollars. We're projected to spend uh, close to $4.3 billion, if not more. Uh, These estimate was based on a number of migrants coming to the city, and those numbers have clearly increased. We are get, we received in several days last week alone uh, over 900 migrants on days. Uh, a week, over two weeks ago, approximately 4,200 in one week. When you look at the price tag, uh, $30 million comes nowhere near what this city is paying for a national problem. So you are getting federal help. It's just not sufficient to the needs you have. Well, we've been extremely transparent uh, what the needs are. Uh, when a city that just uh, cycled out of the uh, financial crisis of COVID is now hit with an additional uh, over a billion dollars in our budget and potentially four point over four billion dollars uh, in the out, out years, uh, that is not the price tag that is attached to what is cost to handle this national problem. So Rich Lowry was on moments ago. He writes for National Review. He's the editor. But he wrote a column yesterday that was syndicated in the New York Post where he said Daniel Penny was not not a vigilante and the left has to stop lying. So AOC comes out. She tells a reporter that DeSantis should read a Bible. Ron DeSantis called Daniel Penny a good Samaritan. I wish AOC would come after me. I wish because I wanted to get a step further. AOC. All out crazy as Curtis calls her. Not only is Daniel Penny a good Samaritan, Daniel Penny's a hero. You hear me, AOC? Come after me, big mouth. Daniel Penny is a hero. Here's AOC, cut number 11. AOC, what do you think about Governor DeSantis calling Penny a good Samaritan? I think he should read a Bible. Read a Bible. Shut up. Sharpton said the same thing, this despicable lowlife Al Sharpton, who did the eulogy at Jordan Neely's funeral on Friday, which we didn't cover. Again, if you saw me on Jesse Waters a couple of weeks ago, I started the conversation by saying we all need to garner a little sympathy for Penny. I said that on, excuse me, for Neely. I said that on TV. No 14-year-old boy should witness his mother's murder stuffed in a plastic bag. I'm sorry. If you don't see that, you're not being fair. But, but, years and years later, after 40 arrests, punching innocent old ladies in the face, scaring people every day, that goes away, man. You can't keep using that as an excuse to be an absolute menace the rest of your life. You just can't. And Sharpton made this once again about race. And then he lied twice. In these two cuts. He lied more than twice, but I'm going to play two cuts, and you tell me, Lewis, if Al Sharpton didn't lie in each of these cuts, both of them. Let's start with this one, Al Sharpton, Lewis, number 13. There was no weapons. Nobody was threatened. Why? And you grab them and put them in a chokehold. Headlock. 
two people hold, hold him down. Yeah, it's crazy. And you go to the precinct and they let you go. Yeah, that's right. If Jordan was impersonating Elvis Presley, if Jordan had been a different race, Are these morons in the background, and they had him impersonating Elvis, and a black guy put Elvis impersonated in a chokehold, and two black guys held him down, see this? They would not have let that black guy leave the precinct. Oh, that really? Night. Is that right? So if it was the other way around. And the black guy killed the white guy. That guy would have never left the precinct, right? That's uh, line number one. Here is line number two. Al Sharpton talking about what Jordan Neely was really doing on the subway that day. This is cut number 15. When I first got the call about Jordan and later talked with Johnny Green, who is pastor here, and Johnny Green told me of how Jordan's mother was killed. And her funeral was right here. And Jordan sat right there and watched his mother funeralized, who'd been chopped up. And he'd never been the same. Jordan was not annoying someone on the train. Who said? Jordan was screaming for help. Oh, he was. So, hold on, hold on. So when you say to somebody... I don't care if I go to prison forever. I'm going to get what I want on this train right now. I don't care if I go to jail today. That's screaming for help, Sharpton, you effing moron. No, help would be, please help me, please. Not, I'm willing to go to jail today. Is that crying for help? I'm sorry, back after this. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I actually called out short and fat there. I apologize. He's not. He's actually very skinny. The rest I don't apologize for, but I did call him fat and he is skinny now. Yeah, but he's got a lot of... Like, it's all still there, you know? Somewhere. The racist and a lowlife... And he took every opportunity, instead of really caring about Jordan Neely, mm-hmm. when was the last time Al Sharpton did a eulogy at a white person's funeral? When was the last time Al Sharpton showed up in Chicago when a black little kid was murdered by a black person, which happens by the thousands? 
You know that. You know that more black people call, they'll kill black people than white people kill black people. It's not even close. When was the last time Al Sharpton showed up in Chicago? When's the last time he did a eulogy for somebody he knew personally? I don't even know. I couldn't tell you. Look, he's, he's never met. He's never met. He is a before. despicable person. Or did he show up for the woman who got the bunch beat out of her at Howard Beach in that uh, su- that subway station? You remember that one? Yes. Took her eye out actually. No, yes. Yeah. Where was he for that? Permanent I'm not going to apologize. Was I'm not. No. MSNBC. They put this guy on every morning like he knows something about something about what? It's it was a bad enough situation that the kid died. Now, Daniel Penny, they're going to ruin his life no matter what. Even if he's not indicted, his life is ruined. It's like the cop out in St. Louis who killed Michael Brown. That thug, his whole life was ruined. He had death threats every single day. He had to leave the state of Missouri and basically go into a witness protection program. Because of irresponsible rhetoric, people like Al Sharpton. And that's not okay. And, you know, every now and then I do lose it. But I'm sorry, I'm angry. I'm angry. Just like Ed Day is angry with Eric Adams, I'm angry. This guy's got a television spot every morning, and all he does is spew racist hate. Though O'Reilly said a couple of weeks ago, the reason why Sid gets unbelievable ratings is his authenticity. Well, that's what you get with me. It's all real, folks. Not scripted, not made up. I don't care if I come off rough. I don't care sorry joanne i am pissed not just organized pissed jennifer harrison where was al sharpton when alvin bragg let two of sergeant hassan Corey's killers walk free exactly please noam how are you buddy Doing all right. You had no issue with what I said about Sharpton, did you? Uh, Al Sharpton, the thing you, you can't take away from him is yeah. he's TV skinny. I mean, that guy looks skinny on TV, which tells you that he's incredibly skinny in yes. real life. very skinny, yes. So you remember him in those track suits back in the 80s. <laughs> yes, I do. And he was huge. You mean the Crown Heights days? Yeah. Yanko Rosenbaum? He'd wear when that. he basically, he set this whole city on fire? You remember that? I do. Yeah. He but wore that right, big medallion around. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do remember the medallion, yeah. He did do that. And now yes. he's like, I mean, I'm look at him. Man, I know. is he skinny. I know. Yeah. Well, he's got he, that he, going He debatably for. looked healthier back then. Than he, uh, well, he, that, he you know, that, that's true. Now. A lot of uh, fat people, when they get skinny, they get too skinny. They look worse, and they also lose uh, all the jovial personality they used to have. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was quite jovial. <laughs> yeah. he was, he's a really bad example. So now he just well, sounds like a fat guy, and he's not a fat guy. <laughs> Maybe he's a bad example yeah, of that. You're I right. miss the uh, old Al. <laughs> yeah. Well, is Al Roker, is, is he fun? Is he funny? What's Al Roker like these days? He lost a lot of weight. I don't know. He's on the same time as we are. I don't want to watch a Today Show, so I couldn't tell you. But um, he was always kind of jovial and fun. Until he wasn't. Right, Noam? Yeah. What do you got for us this morning? Well... You know, have you ever thought about what it sounds like for cows right before they're slaughtered? Do you want to ask me that again? You have to answer that question again. Just want to make sure you're paying attention. (laughs) Have you ever thought about what it sounds like right before cows go to slaughter? I have to say, in all honesty, Mm -hmm. hand on the Bible, AOC, that thought has never crossed my mind. Well, here's what it sounds like. Is that, 
Is this for real? This is for real. How about, have you ever thought about what it sounds like for pigs right before they go for slaughter? For what? I'm, I'm getting to my story here, but it's for pigs. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that one all oh, the this time, to be honest. This yes. one's horrendous. Bacon, You're yesterday. not going to want to eat bacon. He's thinking again. of his joke right now, Noam. That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For pigs. Yes. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Let's see. This is right before they go to slaughter. You see, if Bernie was alive, right, he would say that's Rosie O'Donnell preparing for the view. <laughs> right. But that was Bernie's stuff, easy, not right. mine. Too, Too easy. easy, right? Too easy. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I play that for you is Israeli scientists. Imagine being somebody who's been a vegetarian your whole life, and you're like, that's why you don't eat meat, because you hear that cow's going to slaughter right. those pigs right before they're set to be killed, and that's enough for you never to eat meat again. Mm-hmm. Well, now these Israeli scientists have discovered that plants emit noises, too. Plants? Yes. They emit noises, just uh, stress, just like those animals do when they're about to be picked. And in this case, they actually um, were able to record the sounds of tomato plants. So uh, here's a little bit from the researchers at Tel Aviv University. We're recording sounds emitted by tomato plants, but these sounds are ultrasonic sounds, so we humans can't hear them. In order to, to show what these sounds are like, we took many sounds, we put them together in a small time frame, and we change the frequency so you and here can can hear them. Yes. Yeah, so what happens is if you listen to tomato plants with these microphones when they're not being picked and, you know, they're just out in the sunshine, no noise whatsoever. When a tomato plant is feeling well, it emits very few sounds. But when it is stressed, when it is dehydrated or cut, or sick, it emits plenty of sounds. So for vegetarians, this is horrible news. You want to hear what a tomato plant sounds like when a tomato is being picked from it? Well, my, my thought is you're going to play it anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah, even if you don't want to hear right. it. Right. This is what a tomato plant sounds like as it's stressed out, as a tomato is being pulled from the plant. Really? Yeah, that's for real. Sounds like Pinky Tuscadero. So you say to yourself, <laughs> you know, these are, do the gun thing and clapping. And, no. <laughs> so you might say to yourself, well, I wonder if other plants emit different sounds when they're stressed out. And so we asked that question to these Israeli scientists at Tel Aviv University, and they sent back the sound of a grapevine when people are pulling grapes off of it. And this is what that sounds like. So there's a dilemma, of course, for vegetarians that these plants are screaming in pain when they're being picked, whether it be a grapevine or that tomato sound or this is what they scream out with these microphones, high-definition microphones are able to pick up this is unbe- it's actually unbelievable. Yeah. Just is record- any of this true? Is he making all this no, 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 this is all true. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. No, I know. It's, <laughs> it is totally true. Uh, you can go you know, look it up for yourself. Sure. I mean, we're communicating with these scientists. And so uh, the the sound is so high-pitched that we can't hear it, but they were able to get microphones that could pick up the sound. But the thought is that, like, bees and insects and animals, they can hear that sound, and sometimes it's the reason they'll stay away from a tomato plant instead of attacking a tomato plant. Interesting. Yeah. I always wondered why bees never attack tomato plants. Yeah, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. 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 And didn't you always wonder what cows <laughs> sounded like right before they got to slaughter? <laughs> <laughs>
Or pigs? <laughs> sound like whales. Yeah. Oh, my God. That does sound pretty real to me. I don't know. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. I know that uh, when we ordered Gabriel's bacon yesterday at G Wiz Diner, right? We told him extra crispy. I do know that. So. <laughs> it was loud in the diner that day. I guess. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. I just you know, like I used to work with uh, you know Jill, Jill Vitali, right? And she's like caught up in all this animal stuff. Don't kill this one. Don't. I, I mean, come on, come on. I can't wait to go to a good steakhouse. I can't wait. You got Empire right around the block. You've got Smith and Molensky around the uh, right here across the street. Peter Luger in Brooklyn doesn't get better than that. I can't wait. I don't um, I don't practice all this animal-loving stuff. I love dogs. I've always had dogs. I love them. I go to the zoo. I'm interested. I'm not going to lie. I like to look at lions and tigers because I'm amazed at the amount of damage they can do. Bears, cocaine bear, very good movie. But I don't live my life worrying about animals. I just don't. But you, when you hear table grapes scream out in pain, yeah. this doesn't yeah. make you think about... Maybe no, it's skipping not. over it the table me, grapes? No, it makes me think about going to Christini's today and buying a whole bunch of grapes. Because <laughs> I love grapes. I had berries yesterday. They were delicious. Did they scream? Uh, I don't know. I have to, well, I'll have to ask the scientists at Tel, Tel Aviv University. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where you launched me initially. The uh, scientists at Tel Aviv University. <laughs> 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 but otherwise, all right, we got uh, Anthony Scaramucci coming up next. Then a full hour in studio. This is really big stuff with Judge Janine Pirro. Her new book comes out tomorrow, Crimes Against America, the left's takedown of our republic. So Mooch and the judge coming up next. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. It's about the front door like a ghost into a fog where no one notices the contrast of white on white. In between the moon and you, angels get a better view of the crumbling difference between wrong and right. Well, I walk in the air between the rain through myself and back again where I don't know. Maria says she's dying through the door I hear crying why I don't know. Counting Crows, one of our listeners asked for this great album, August and Everything After. Round here, 844 on your Monday morning again. Judge Jeanine Pirro, her new book comes out tomorrow, Crimes Against America. She will join me for the entire 9 o'clock hour coming up next. Right now, I've got a very special guest on the phone, but a friend of mine for many, 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 many years. One of the smartest people you'll ever meet, Mr. Skybridge Capital, my buddy Anthony Scaramucci. Mooch, good morning, pal. How are you? Good, good morning, Sid. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing great. You know, one uh, before we get to uh, Chris Christie and the presidential race, I know you're good friends with the uh, owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, and I know that he's trying to get that casino out there at uh, City Field, and it looked like... He was uh, going to get it, him and 42nd Street, among the places. But now it turns out, I guess, the people in Forest Hills put up a huge fight, and one of the local politicians, Jessica Ramos, is making sure, for at least now, that Cohen's Casino isn't going to happen. Do you have more news on this? You know, I, I don't have more news. I know that that was going to go down this week, and, 
conversations with Steve last week at the SALT conference, uh, he gave us a, an elucidation of what the plan looked like. It's frankly a shame for Queens if it doesn't go through because you've got, you know, tens of thousands of jobs. You're going to clean up that whole area. You've got a beautiful waterfront park, uh, basketball courts, baseball courts, sports facilities going back up into the stadium. Yes, a casino, but also a uh, conference center, hotel, uh, a taste of Queens, you know, where you would literally have all of the ethnic great foods in Queens showcase leading back up to uh, City Field. And I don't know, Sid, if you've ever been down to Truist Park, yep. Patriot uh, Stadium. Yep. Um, they've done beautiful work in terms of, uh, you know, it's a revitalization of the entire area. It would lead to more traffic, more tax revenues. It would be better for the school system in the county of Queens. But listen, you know, we've got politicians that have diverging interests. Uh, we saw what happened with Amazon. We tried to move them into Long Island City a few years ago. And uh, we're in a weird state right now. We, we're very focused on positional politics as opposed to what's right or wrong for the people. You know, and so it's, it's always left or right, left or right, as opposed to right or wrong. Um, I'd like to see them get the project done, but uh, I don't think it's over yet. Hopefully they'll, they'll negotiate a uh, compromise. I mean, the biggest misconception, it's such old school thinking, is that casinos bring, bring in a bad group of people. It's such nonsense. They're like old ladies, you know, basically. And like you said, the revenue was there. And usually they put them in neighborhoods that aren't that great to begin with. Now, look, I understand if you've got a Met game, a tennis game going on, uh, you know, like the um, the Open in August, and the casino, that would make it a very, very long day on the Grand Central, the Van Wick, and the Bell Parkway. I get all that. But in terms of casinos bringing in a bad element, that's so yesterday, Anthony. It's nonsense. Well, listen, I mean, obviously the studies have all proven that. But, you know, look, you know, we, as a as a human race, we gamble. So I think uh, the fact that we've accepted that now and we're like, I mean, Sid, you and I are old enough to remember when the NFL didn't want to play in Vegas. Right. The NBA didn't want to play in Vegas. Right. right? And so the, the gambling was happening anyway, right? It, it's a... Uh, it's a reminder of Casablanca back in the 40s, right? I didn't realize gambling was happening here. You know, <laughs> right. We do it, right? And yeah. so at the end of the day, uh, let's regulate it. Let's clean it up. Let's make it fair for people. Um, and listen, you know, you get a lot of revenues out of that. Obviously, the state controls the, the numbers game. The mob had that. But now Lotto is controlled by the state. They get a ton of tax revenues coming into the educational department because of it. I don't understand why we're going to take a sanctimonious stance here. Hopefully they can negotiate an impasse. But what, what Steve put together, he was on a massive listening tour in Queens, and he went to as many constituents as possible, and they really did deliver on a full balancing test. Sports, recreation, beautiful waterfront park, restaurants that exhibit the um, – you know, the Queen's cuisine, if you will. Uh, and, of course, you've got the stadium, the there someday. I think I think that would be a, a lot of fun for people. And and remember, you're, you're close to the keyboard. So just imagine the type of traffic that you can get in there that could help further revitalize that area and, and just increase middle incomes. I mean, ultimately, if you're a politician in Queens, what do you want to do? You want to raise living standards for lower and middle income people and you want to give them aspirational opportunity 
it's very hard to convince me that this project doesn't do that. Talking about gambling, one of the things that Chris Christie did right in New Jersey, and he did a bunch of things right, no question, a bunch of things wrong, too. We'll get to that. But he was the guy. He was the guy that pushed New Jersey to legalize gambling. Now, I know Phil Murphy is reaping all the benefits right now because I believe now New Jersey has gone past Las Vegas. They actually bring in the most revenue. Maybe New York City is right there now as well. But it was Chris Christie who made sure New Jersey got legalized gambling, and that's worked out huge for the state. With that said, Chris Christie going to announce this week, Tim Scott today, Ron DeSantis later this week, Chris Christie as well, that he's going to run for president. And you, Anthony Scaramucci, he's got your backing. Well, yeah, when he announces, yes, but he does have my backing. I was asked at the SALT conference who I like. You know, Chris and I have been friends for a very long time. Um, I like him. I think he has the right edge to prosecute the case against Donald Trump. And so ultimately, I know you love Trump, but I'm telling you, he's bad for the country. And, uh, you know, his moment has passed in the country. Of course not. The country's just unfortunately, okay, but the country's too divided. Yeah. And I think somebody like Chris can at least lay out why Mr. Trump was the worst Republican presidential candidate since Herbert Hoover. Let's just remind your viewers, he lost the House, he lost the Senate, and he was in the presidency. And you get like a, you know, 70% chance to win re-election when you're already in the presidency as an incumbent, he lost that too. So worst presidential candidate since Herbert Hoover, Mm -hmm. a very destructive guy, uh, led to a lot of racial hatred. No, 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 no. listen, but way before that, hold on, hold on, hold on, I got to stop you. I have, no, 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 no. If you can, if you can, can, me with that beautiful voice. Yes, I am. Because don't talk about race divide because well before Donald Trump was president, a black man, who was going to cure the race divide in this country, had the country on fire. Michael Brown, uh, Gray in Baltimore, BLM. That all started under Obama, not Donald Trump. Don't even go there. No, no, you're doing it. You're blaming Trump for something you didn't do. Anthony, you didn't do it. If you want to talk about Obama, I'm happy to talk about it, but he can't run. And here are the facts. Trump has won two straight straight nominations. Hold on. Anthony, fine. Chris Christie's not a fine person either. He's not a fine person, and he's. I think we we're not going to we're not going to let your rabbi or my priest. You, you tell me who the fine, perfect person is. Who's the perfect specimen? Nobody. The nobody. Right so so I'm gonna, uh, so, nobody. Nobody. So I'll everybody's take. Got flaws. So I will take everybody. the imperfect guy who I think will do the best mm-hmm. job. Who's won two straight nominations? While your buddy, he's won nothing. And by the way, his best moment was ten vote. years ago. He can't. Can't win the popular vote. But Chris Christie can have the people. Chris Christie can. He can't win the nomination. I mean, I think. I think. Let's take one step at a time. I think Chris Christie. Step one can make the case against Donald Trump. Okay. The two impeachments, the indictments, the disaster going on in Georgia. All hoaxes. Situation with January. Situation with January sixth. Right. All hoaxes. Yeah. yeah, I, I understand that, but you know, when you hit the rock, my dad was a laborer when he got started. Right. You hit the rock a hundred times, it doesn't break. On the 101st time, it smatters into pieces, okay? He's got horrible negative approval ratings. He's nowhere with the independents. The independents hate the guy's guts. you got to win this race. You want Republican politics? You want Republican policy? Go with somebody else besides Donald Trump. You don't have to go with Chris Christie. He's my favorite because I like him personally. But go with somebody with that besides Donald Trump. 
The guy, and all the guy does is he's a walking wrecking ball of disaster. And if you ask anybody that's not politically tied to him that worked with him inside the White House, he has no executive management skills. He has no intellectual curiosity. He's a little bit of a Putin puppet. Okay, we don't need that right okay, now in the United that. States. Stop okay? that Putin we need puppet. He, he was tougher on Putin than anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, no Biden is a Putin puppet. Right, Biden is a Putin puppet. Biden signed the Russian right. sanctions bill in July yeah, of 2017. Yeah, after yeah. the uh, no, you're right. You're right. And, 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 that, and that, of course, Putin was such a puppet that he allowed Putin to go into the Ukraine, which he's done since Biden has taken over. I mean, some of this stuff. And you're a very smart guy, and I love you. But you've got a personal issue with Donald Trump that has clearly clouded your brain because some of it is so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Anthony, no, come on! A, no, yes, you do. On, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I don't. I'm living. I'm living a great. I'm living a great life. I know, I but you're still angry that he that he went after that. your wife. You're still angry, and you're right. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Hold yeah. on a second. Hold yeah. on a second. Shouldn't have gone after my wife. Right. Okay, Sid, come on. I agree. If somebody went after Danielle. These guys work for us. Okay. You want to talk about Putin? If we're in Putin's country to go after your wife, you leave the country. No, but here's the thing. These guys he, work for us. We're in a democracy. Okay? I agree. When Trump gets the job, he's in our house. He's in the people's house, and he's working for us. I agree. Who the hell is he to attack my wife? He's nobody. All of, I agree with you. To him. Who the hell is he to attack my wife? Anthony, I, I'm on your side with this. All I'm, ask, all, all, I'm ask, all I'm asking you to do. There's well, one New Yorker listening to you, whether he's a cop, a fireman, no. whoever no. he might be. So, oh, no, that's cool. So I like Donald Trump, but it's cool for him to go after Mooch's wife. No, no, you're missing the point. Um, Anthony. That. He's a, he's a lowlife. Anthony, low life you got to let me talk. Anthony, you got to let me talk. You got to let me talk, okay? Don't let a low life be the you got to let me talk, Anthony. Chris Christie's a lowlife, too. Now, if, I, if you went after Danielle, I'd be angry just like you, but here's the difference. Be man enough to admit that it is personal because he did the wrong thing. I'm on your side. He should never mess with Deirdre. And ever since then, you hate his guts. Just be man enough to admit that you have amped up your rhetoric about Donald Trump because he did a wrong thing. Don't tell me you don't care that he did it and then say all these ridiculous things about him, which are somewhere between lies and partial lies. Of course you're pissed. Things. There's not one thing I said is a lie. Oh, yes, sir. Putin's I'm a, puppet? I'm a lot Putin's puppet? Putin's puppet? All this guy did was, you know, he was ridiculously obsequious to Putin, okay? <laughs> All the delay in the anti-tank stuff to the Ukraine gave a window. You see, you're talking about Biden got there after the fact where Trump had already weakened the alliance and Trump had already signaled to Putin that he was going to let him have what he wants. And obviously, Putin miscalculated. He thought the alliance was not going to reunite like it did. Putin did something that no American president could do. He reignited and re reunited NATO. Okay, so you, you gotta you gotta look at it sequentially, Sid. You can't look at it, you know, the way the politicians look at it. Look at it objectively and look at it sequentially. Yes, I was very personally upset when he went after my wife. Who wouldn't be? Right. It's four years later. It's now an objective standard. Who should be president of the United States in an hour of darkness for the country, in an hour of tribalism? We need massive constitutional reform. We have gerrymandering in this country where the politicians are now picking the voters. I thought we were in a real democracy, Sid, where the voters pick the politicians. The gerrymandering has completely skewed the congressional district system, skewed the uh, the local Senate and House races, it is an unmitigated disaster. We have a tyranny of the minority going on in the country. 
because of this sort of nonsense. We need massive reform, and we need somebody that's going to think about us related to our first name, which is united. It's not the divided states of America. It's not the tribal states of America. It's the United States of America. And you need a healing, honest broker and a transformational figure to do that. And it's not Donald Trump. Okay, it just isn't. He has no evidence of being able to deliver that, and that's an objective statement. Well, it is certainly your statement, and, you know, I love you, yeah, and I think my, you're very smart, and I'm going to let you make it. analysis not related on anything yeah. personal. Well, I don't okay? believe that. And that I don't believe. Any, yeah. okay, it's always going to be personal. You you're, you're an old-school Italian guy. Nothing, you don't let that stuff go away. You can believe whatever you want. You remember, you remember what they said in The Godfather, right? It's not personal, it's business. Yeah. You, you and I both know that, of course, it's personal. Well, that's of what I just said. Personal. Right. But but it's four years later. It's yeah. not as personal. I'm looking well, at it objectively. Uh, listen, one of the reasons why I love you and we get along well, despite differing on so many political opinions, is we're both old school New York guys. And that personal doesn't go away. Four years later, if somebody picked on Danielle, it wouldn't be okay with me. And by the way, it certainly wouldn't be okay with her if I came home and said, you know what? I kind of I kind of forgave Trump. So just remember this. Tell you tell yeah. your buddy Trump. You yeah. know, he couldn't win without me last time. He's not going to win w- without me this time. Okay, uh-huh. we're going to put him right where he belongs, okay, in heavy retirement. Okay? <laughs> okay. You get him on the phone. You say, hey, man, you know, you really, you, you, you won in 16. You couldn't win in 20. Right. You're not going to win in 24. Okay. And you're going to be in a very long retirement, okay? And okay. you're going to have a lot of legal bills because you're a nonsensical lunatic. I'm going to tell him all those things. Next time you see it. I'm going to tell him. Promise me. I promise you, brother. Are you kidding me, Ed? You know I'll tell him. Good, yeah, good. but he, but the, the right, but if he, if his you're his right, day, his day is over. Yeah, well, if you're right and his day is over, I can promise you, I can promise you, that the guy you're wasting your money on, he got no chance. I mean, you're, it's like Scott Walker. You're throwing your money away again. You're throwing it away. Let's, well, no, I don't agree with that. I of had course, I'm Scott Walker. I met a lot of people. Yeah, these things are a lot of fun. You meet a lot of people. You're yeah. like you learn a lot about the country. Yeah. You know, in fairness, I did a lot of campaign stuff with Donald Trump. I learned a lot about the country working on these campaigns. And by the way, Sid, you live in New York, right? Yes. We're taking 55% of our money now, right? So we're minority partners in our own lives, okay? If a dollar comes in, I got to give it to Kathy Hockle, Eric Adams, and Joe Biden, right? So I'm now a minority partner in my own life in terms of the money coming in. Yeah. So shouldn't we be involved with the hiring decision? Of course. Don't, don't you think that we have to be politically active? and at least try to push the needle here and there wherever we can, because it's the apathy that comes from the business community that allows for this disastrous tribal stuff going on. If the business community was energized in Queens, they would allow for this nonsense going on as it relates to this project. All this project is a win-win for everybody. But somebody's for some reason. But come on. Let's people. How do we raise their living standards? How do we give them a fair, aspirational opportunity in the country or the state of New York? As opposed to woke nonsense and uh, virtue signaling and, you know, all of these. Enough is enough. Yeah, no, we're losing you on the cell phone. But it was a great conversation. My phone is blowing up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no one's hanging up. I can promise you that, Anthony. So I appreciate that. All right. I'll talk to you later on today. All right, pal. All right. Thank you. There he is, Anthony Scaramucci. That was good stuff. That's good radio.
and that prepares us for the fourth and final hour, which will be great radio as well. Judge Janine Pirro, her new book comes out tomorrow, Crimes Against America, the left's takedown of our republic. An hour with the judge coming up next. Parks her car outside my house and takes her clothes off. Says she's close to understanding Jesus. And she knows she's more than just a little misunderstood. She has trouble acting normal when she's nervous. Right here. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Hello, baby, hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me? Or are you still the same spoiled child? Hello, I said hello. Happy birthday to Bernie Taupin today. Did he help write this one, too? I love this song, Harmony, Elton John. Did he help write this one, Lewis? Yes, he did. He did? Definitely. Most of them. Most of them, right? Rocket Man, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. This one, a little harmony before Judge Janine. We need some more harmony in this country. I know the president loves to use words like United and Al Sharpton. Uh, personally, Judge Neen likes the song The Bitch is Back, which every time I get back from vacation, we play that song, just so you know. Do you? Yes, 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 yes. But uh, she is in studio, the great Judge Neen Pirro, of course, uh, Fox News, and there's a tremendous show here every Sunday, and I, I personally love her, I really do. The book is Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic, and it comes out Tomorrow. That's very exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, this book, I'll tell you, Sid, it can't, uh, if you were to write a book where you could open the pages and they would look just like the front pages of the newspaper, this is it. This is it. I mean, talk about contemporary news. Talk about a book that is like relevant on everything that you're talking about this morning. Uh, yeah, it's about the takedown of this country. And the truth is the left has a mission to take it down. And what I try to do in Crimes Against America is explain how this liberal warped version of the left and these woke nonsense people, they reject everything about America, everything from the Declaration of Independence to the Constitution. They reject the presidents. They reject the statutes. They hate everything. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really that simple. They just hate this country. And I can't uh, can't wait to read this book. And they have a big signing coming up. Tomorrow, across the street at Smith and Walensky. That'll be exciting. Uh, folks, go buy this book. Buy it in big numbers. Crimes Against America. We'll get back to the book. Yeah. But um, I did see you on television this morning. Now, I never curse on the radio for some yeah. reason. I know. And that. I curse on the radio all the time. I know. All the time. But I don't curse. Today, I did. I used the S word to describe Al Sharpton. S is cursing. Uh, S uh, as in Sam. Uh, as in duty. Uh, but, and I say this, I have no remorse. I will not apologize because he is just sad to take the opportunity Friday at this Jordan Neely's funeral yeah. to make it once again about race, about black and white. If you're angry, I curse this morning at Al Sharpton. Yeah. Here's one for you. F you. Okay. All right. Well, that's a curse. But look, he, he, look, there's a reason you did it. And then you and I haven't spoken about it, but I can imagine that anyone listening to Al Sharpton would think, 
that Danny Penny went on that train that day and said, I'm going to find myself somebody and I'm going to take him down. A black that, guy. Yeah, right a black somebody. Guy. Yeah, right. a black guy. Right. And you know what they deny, what, what people like Al Sharpton don't understand is that there was a black guy helping Danny Penny take down Jordan Neely. Okay, and Jordan Neely did it for white guys and black guys and brown guys on the train. So stop. This is not about racism. And, you know, anywhere you go, Sid, in America, everybody gets along. The only people who don't get along are the race baiters. That's right. You know, you go to 7-Eleven. You know, you go anywhere. You go to a play. You go, I was here yesterday. Went to a play yesterday. And I got to tell you, I mean, nobody complains the way they do. But And how many white politicians uh, really complain about? race. I mean, you know, for example, again, Al Sharpton, he's not a politician, but he speaks on MSNBC. He made this into a racial incident. How many times over the last couple of weeks has a mutual friend, whether he's talking about Governor Abbott in Texas, whether he's talking about Jordan Neely, whether he's talking about uh, my friend up in Rockland County, Ed Day, how many times has the mayor called somebody a racist? You notice only one side does that. Right. You notice that, right? Right, right. And I got to tell it's you, honest conversation. Mayor Adams is, as far as I'm concerned, he's a disappointment. And because people elected him because of crime, they elected him because he was a police captain. They thought he was going to clean up New York. And, you know, all of a sudden, the guy's just walking around every night all dialed up. I mean, I have, I have a file on him in my office, Sid. Every night, he's got a new get-up on. I mean, show up at a crime scene. Roll up your sleeves. Make like you care. Every time someone is killed, I want you to have a sign out there saying, Hoko, listen, for, you know, repeal this cash bail nonsense. Let judges make these decisions. But, no. No, no, he's just got his all talk. And I'll tell you when it proved he was all talk. When the immigration system and the issue came to New York City, all of a sudden, all of his liberal nonsense is is out the window. Was, I don't want them here. I don't want 61,000 here. Wait a minute. You're a city with the biggest budget in the country. You've got 8 million people. You're worried about 61,000? We've had 5 million in two years over the southern border. You think a town, a village, or a hamlet can afford these people? They're overrunning ranches. Right. And, and, and Mayor Mayor Adams is like, oh, I can't handle it. Oh, my God. Let me put them in the schools. Put them in the schools. Are you stupid? Who puts, who puts illegal aliens? You have no idea who they are, what their record is, where they're from. They hide everything about themselves, and they come in and say, I need asylum. And by the way, I'm not I'm not down on all of them. We need them, and, and I'm happy to help them. But don't give me this nonsense. You're going to put them in a school? I was a DA. I, it, whenever it came to school, I was looking for pedophiles. And you want to put someone you don't know in a school gym and have the kids play stickball in the street? I mean, where do you come up with this nonsense? My issue is, too, it's kind of he's on both sides, right? He wants to be a sanctuary city, although he did go to court in old last week, but he wants to be a sanctuary city and then complain. And then, you know, he doesn't call out Hochul ever. In fact, I played a cut this morning where he congratulated Hochul and Chuck Schumer, and when he calls out the White House, he never says Joe Biden. He says federal government. So this is a guy that clearly is more worried about how the Democrat Party feels about him in his race to one day maybe be president than he does New York City. That is becoming increasing. And I don't dislike the guy, but that's becoming increasingly clear. Well, look, Joe Biden in the White House is already punishing him because they're not allowing him to be on his their campaign emissary team. Right. Where they send out all these people to talk about how great Joe Biden is. And they also screwed him for the DNC. They gave it to Chicago when Adams begged for it here in New York. 
That's right. Okay. But here's the thing. Adams needs to understand if he wants to be a hero of the people, if he wants to be the, the country's mayor, then he's got to stand up for the people of New York. He's got to stand up so middle America looks at him and say, that guy has common sense, as opposed to that guy's an ideologue and he's not crossing the political lines. That's that's the problem with America. The ideologues, the woke people, they're like, oh, it's not about truth and justice. It's about what, is my, what does my party say? That's nonsense. Last night you did a hour special going back to the uh, Penny story here, where there, too, Eric Adams started out as the only one who was good. Kathy Hochul wanted to give Penny the electric chair day one, right? Schumer, Sharpton, and Eric Adams said, slow down. And then it took him about a week, and all of a sudden it was, one of my black brothers. I mean, Eric, please, I'm begging you. Stop it, okay? Stop. So he also went the other side on that one, too. But you did an hour special last night on uh, Penny and Neely. And while we all know what he witnessed as a 14-year-old boy, no one should go through that, nobody. It's horrible. But 40 arrests and punching old ladies in the face later, You start to lose some of that sympathy, right? Well, you know, one of the problems is uh, Al Sharpton, who never knew Jordan Neely, who should have been there when Jordan Neely was placed on New York City's list of the top, you know, homeless who need the most help. The guy's a schizophrenic. He's mentally ill. He's a classic example of what's happening in this city. And so, you know, all of a sudden, Al Sharpton's out there. We're going to take care of our brother, Michael Jackson. He wasn't Michael Jackson. Forty-four arrests later, he just decked a 67-year-old woman fractured her orbital bone broke her nose and didn't serve any time and every chance he got he got a break from the system and i'll tell you what we had 44 as a society yeah. you know what sid we failed him we did jordan neely no, we, we did, did fail we did. Well, you know who failed him was the mayor before adams bill de blasio his wife stole million? a billion and a half dollars for Is the thrive program 1.5 billion, the Thrive program would have taken care of Jordan Neely. The city absolutely failed that kid. You know what? I didn't even realize it was that much. But look, when we have people who are mentally ill, we have an obligation to help them. We do. Yeah. And yet, when they take money like that, the money dissipates. Nobody knows where it goes. Any prosecutor behind that? Of course not. And then you've got the issue of this, the, uh, uh, Jordan Neely. Every time he was arrested, he should have been sent somewhere. As a judge, I would have placed that guy in some facility. Right. You have that right to do that. And so 44 times we missed him. And it's a shame. He went through hell, this guy. No, he but did. he was not Michael Jackson. No. He was, let me ask you this. He was 10 if years you ago. Say, yeah, 15. If right. you say, I'm ready to die, if you say, I'm ready to go to jail for the rest of my life, if you're in the military, you're a cop, what does that tell you? It tells you I'm homicidal and I'm suicidal. Of course. You're all in trouble. And Al Sharpton had the nerve to say at the funeral on Friday when he was yelling, I'll go to jail today, which means I'll do something bad. Al Sharpton had the nerve to say he was crying out for help. No, no. When you're crying out for help, you go, please help me. Please help me. I miss my, whatever it is. When you say, I'll go to jail, I'll do for what life. I have to do today for life. That's not crying out for help. That's a threat. Well, that's and, a terroristic threat. And everyone on that train knew it. That's why they thanked Danny Penny, the Marine. That's why they said he was a hero. That's why this case has hit a chord in this country. Because all of a sudden, the mayors who defunded the police, they're out there yelling racism. Don't you dare. You defunded the police. You took the anti-crime unit out of the inner city. You're the one who's allowing this crime to run rampant. You want to cry racism? Not so fast, Mr. Mayor. You see, uh, the way you're reacting right now, which is the reason why you're the best on Fox News and your show Sunday is so great, 
And you're not acting. You see, you're angry. No, so, I am angry. Right, right. And when I yelled about Sharpton this morning and cursed him out and people got upset with me, one in particular, or things like that, when I, when I actually say that Daniel Penny's a hero, or I applauded Ed Day weeks ago for yeah. physically threatening the mayor, because uh, the mayor is a big boy. He doesn't care. But I'm angry. So when I see these things, maybe in a time long ago, I would have been a bit appalled. Now I applaud it. Because yeah. I'm sick and tired of getting raped by our politicians who are lying to us every day and watching the city go down the tubes. And everybody is so freaking nervous about getting suspended or fired, they don't say it. You say it. I say it. More have to say it. Well, the more have to say it, and I say it in my book, Crimes Against America. You know, I, I'm tired of these people who who say one thing and then do another. And I'm tired of the Trojan horses. Joe Biden comes in. He says, I'm, I'm a moderate. You know me. Yeah, we all know you, Joe. You've been sucking up the cash with your son around the world. He, Joe Biden's a front man, and uh, his son Hunter's a bag man at the back door. Joe goes in the front door all wrapped up in the American flag with all the pride and honor that goes with it, and his son is sucking up the money and they have so much money they have to divvy it up the ex-wife the girlfriend the other wife the other girlfriend the grandkid because 10 million dollars you can't hide it that fast no no 12 people according to comer during that press <laughs> conference which only fox news and sid rosenberg carried live that day going back a couple of weeks ago uh the book is crimes against america the left's takedown of our republic of course the author is the great judge named Piero, star at wabc and star at fox news on the five and other shows we're going to take a short break and come back. we got Janine for the entire hour. How lucky are we? <laughs> Janine Pirro with me coming up right after this. You're not lucky knowing me Keeping the speed real slow In any case I set my own pace by stealing the show Say hello Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. All right, folks, the book is Crimes Against America, the Left's Takedown of Our Republic. Judge Janine Pirro puts on a magnificent show every Sunday here. She's the best talent Fox News has, trust me. You can watch the five at five o'clock. Our own shows did a special last night. She's the absolute uh, best. You know, it's funny, I had Trump on last week. You mentioned Trump in the last segment. And the last thing I said to Trump, I said, maybe I'm wrong, but I get the impression that of all three elections, of all three, uh, you're running for president. This is the one you want the most. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Sid, I haven't really thought about it. And then he went back and talked about 2016, talked about 2020. And he said in the end, he goes, you know, you're right. I think I do. I want this one the most. And for me, I want him to win the most in this one. You know, it makes sense because there are different motivations for every election. 
And this one, he's had a chance of four years to sit back and see what's happened to this country. And he loves this country. And the truth is, you know, there's so many things. Look, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be involved in Ukraine. Putin would never have gone into Ukraine. Putin took Crimea when Obama was there. I mean, none of this crap would have happened. And then you see what Joe Biden is doing with his family, immigration. I mean, Joe Biden is facilitating the biggest invasion of illegals into this country. And you know, four years ago, they said invasion. Asian. Oh, my God, that's racist. That's horrible. You can't say it. It's the truth. Ask anybody coming in. We are no longer a sovereign nation with borders. We are a globalist landing spot with benefits. They come here, education, benefit, uh, housing, education, whatever you want. Xbox. Hey, you want to stay in the Roosevelt? <laughs> you want your own food? No problem. You don't like our food? Throw it outside. Yeah. We know what's going on. And the truth is it's happening everywhere. So I could see where Donald Trump, there's a different motivation right now. Definitely. I think there is, too. Plus, you want to rewrite that chapter. When yeah. I got fired by WFAN in 2005, I said, I got to get back to New York, and I did <laughs> in 2016. But on the other hand, you talked about Joe Biden. And Bill O'Reilly brought this up with me last week. Can you explain to me, Judge, how 40%, it's a low number, it's a low number, but it's still four of every ten people. How do four of every ten people think he's doing a good job? It's amazing because they are smart people. But then again, these are the same people, Sid, who will tell you after everything that's happened, even after the Durham report, they'll tell you, you know, Trump, Trump was involved with Russia. There's no question oh, about it. MSNBC did it all morning and CNN. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I mean. The facts don't matter. It's about ideology. It's about making sure that your tribe wins over their tribe. It's not even about America anymore. That's why I wrote Crimes Against America. <laughs> it's about the fact that people are taking sides. It started with Obama. The division started with him. Correct. And then, you know, the hate for the police, the hate for the institutions, and then education. Then you got Randy Weingarten. You know what? This woman, United Feder- American Federation of Teachers, she was in Ukraine last year. And I said, why is she in Ukraine? You know what the answer was? She's there to compare the education system. What education system? Please, please. Every school has been yeah. bombed there. Terrible. She's there for the third time. What you- is everybody going to Ukraine for? You tell me, Sid. They're getting paid. Every one of them. They're dirty and corrupt like the Bidens. And you could add Michael Mulgrew to that combination, too, with Weingarten. And uh, everything you just said was beautiful. In fact, Scaramucci was on just now. He talked about Trump dividing the country. I said, Anthony, let me remind you, Michael Brown, Ferguson, Missouri, Obama. Freddie Gray, Baltimore, Maryland, Obama. Uh, Two events here in New York, Obama. And by the way, BLM, the biggest Marxist terrorist group in the history of our country, was born under who? Obama. So here comes Mr. African-American, eloquent, no question about it, articulate, no question about it. Mr. Black man, he's going to save the world. And all of our issues became exponentially worse under Obama. Well, there's no question. You talk about Freddie Gray. In the Freddie Gray case, the chief of police was black. The district attorney was black. (laughs) The judge was black. I'm sure half the jury was black, and they're saying it's all racism. I mean, give me a break. And then, you know, the DA there, she's corrupt as it is. I don't know if she's still there. I think she's gone. She, I think she was the one who was the insurance lawyer who became a DA. Look, if anybody out there has a chance to vote for DA, Make sure they prosecuted a case before. That would work. Yeah, that would (laughs) work, because that's why we're seeing crazy DAs, George Soros-funded DAs. But By the way, just to make it uh, similar to what happened in Maryland, you just mentioned the DA, the judges. Yep. Just coincidence that crime is running rampant here. Criminals are on the streets. And Alvin Bragg and Letitia James, both black, looking out to make sure that black people don't serve prison time. I know it's difficult. You don't want to hear it. It's uncomfortable. But there is a lot of truth to that. 
Well, look, New York City is suffering a crime wave like they've never seen before. And, you know, we, we, we have a, a black mayor, or black mayor, we yep. have a black district attorney, <laughs> and we've got Alvin Bragg, he's interested in indicting Donald Trump and Danny Penny. Right. Everybody on the train said, wait a minute, thank, I hope. If you have a problem, you have someone like Danny Penny in your train car. You've got a moving car under the subway. Police are not there. It's you're locked in, and they they're like, "Oh no, that was racism." Are you kidding? You weren't there. <laughs> no, you don't know what it's like to not have it. That's true. To not have police defense. But talking about uh, African American people, whether DAs or, or uh, AGs, uh, today Tim Scott's announcing he's running for president. I, I did see Byron Donaldson earlier. Yeah. Uh, Tim Scott announcing today later on this week, Ron DeSantis, he's going to run. Chris Christie, he's going to run. Uh, right now, Donald Trump has what looks like an insurmountable 43-point lead in some polls <laughs> over DeSantis. These other folks, God bless them. I know it's a lot of fun. They get to travel. They get they bank some money and the, go to fancy parties. But whether it's Tim Scott or the other lady from South Carolina uh, or, or Chris Christie, I mean, they've got no chance, no chance. Well, you know what? I think it's important for someone like Tim Scott to enter the race. I think Tim Scott is a great senator. I think he's tried very hard, especially as it relates to the police issue and race in America. He stepped up to the plate. Would yeah. anybody listen to him on the left? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it is. It, you know, the truth is that Donald Trump is the he is the he is the giant. I mean, and so you, I don't you, know. You, you can't see DeSantis once he makes it official, making a charge and making it competitive. You think it's, it's already wrapped up the nomination for Donald Trump? I do, but that's how you feel? You know what? I really think it's going to be very, very hard. I can't imagine anybody, DeSantis or anyone else. And so the question is, should DeSantis wait? You know, he was in Japan, right? You say to yourself, Wait a minute. Why are you in Japan? I mean, you you were a congressman and now you're a, you're a governor. Well, it it doesn't fit. You don't see him on the world stage, and you don't see him as a guy who is fluent in yeah. issues of of international yeah. uh, level. No, I see that. Uh, I love what he's doing in the state of Florida. How about the NAACP coming out yesterday or the, or the day before and telling African Americans and gays do not go to Florida. <laughs> it's a dangerous place. By the way, I worked in Miami for 11 years. I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. All my on-air partners play for the Miami Dolphins. They all live in West End and Boca and Palm Beach. They absolutely love it there. Yeah. But according to the NAACP, if you're black or gay, don't go. Well, I mean, I, they, they, should be, they should be stripped today with the CDC and the WHO. Are there any organizations left that are credible? No, there aren't. There aren't. And the truth is, nobody's going to listen to the NAACP. Of course not. They're not going to listen to them. They're going to go there because everybody loves Florida. Everybody <laughs> knows it's free and if you want to know about florida and you want to know about america you got to get my book crimes against america and judgejbook.com now why is that it's funny you would say florida in your book because the first time i saw you in many 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 years was in florida correct we're at mateo's mateo's and he spoke of peter kramer actually that was a star-studded night it was me you and bruce beck from NBC, the that's sports right. guy in the back with his parents. That's, right. uh, that's the first time I saw you. Now I see you there all the time. So yeah. you love Florida, too. I love Florida. Are you kidding? I'd love to get a house in Florida. I don't have, don't a, have a house one? there. No, I work seven oh, days a week. Right. What right. am I going to get that's a house? Right. you got to get an apartment, you know, the something, tr- and but get, get a place on the water or something. No, oh, you yeah, love it in my there. next life, Sid. In my next <laughs> life. It ain't <laughs> happening in this one, I'm telling well, you. Well, there are a lot of Florida mentions in the book. Yes. 
Yes, I love Florida. I love Florida. And you know what? The NAACT can talk, or ACP can talk all they want. Nobody's listening to them. Nobody's listening. You know what? It's just like, did they do a good job in in Georgia? Coca-Cola left, Major League Baseball left, and they went to Denver, which had a a worse voting bill. I mean, come on, a voter's law. There's not a black person in Denver. Atlanta's all black. There's not one black person in Denver. They moved the All-Star game from Georgia to Colorado. Yeah, really. I mean, come on. 1-800-84. We we tell the truth here. Uh, We don't care if you're offended out there, that's fine. Yeah, we One, don't. I really don't, we care. don't. I don't care. Do I, don't care, care. No, I want them to be offended. No, but we want to I keep our job. pissed. No one's going to get rid of us. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> got my publisher here. <laughs> Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Right, we got Joe Janine in studio, and I like Sergio Corn. He's a he's a riot. But uh, Joe Janine's book is uh, is coming out tomorrow. Uh, you can buy her book, and uh, I advise you do it. Go to judgejbook.com. That's judgejbook.com. You'll save the Amazon charges. Judgejbook.com. Plus, it's more money to Janine, and all we care about is making Janine. No, money. it's more money for my publisher. That's fine. So, he doesn't <laughs> even need the money. He lives in Palm Beach. <laughs> Uh, well, no, but you know what? The book, I got to tell you, though, Sid, you know, the book, it was, it was easy to write this book because every day you turn on the radio, you open the newspaper, and you're furious. Yes. Every day every I find day. myself yeah. furious. I And then I say to myself, Janine, something's got to give. It can't go on like this. We've got issues at the border. We've got issues with safety. We've got issues in the school. We've got issues with the economy. We've got, the, you know, the word fentanyl didn't come off of Joe Biden's lips. Oh, I know. For one year and eight months. I know. He didn't even mention the undeclared war that China has declared against the United States, where they send the fentanyl into Mexico. They pop them into pills and money launder, and launder the money and send it into the arteries throughout the United States. Yeah. You know there are arteries already established in of this course, country. Of course. And you know what Joe Biden comes out and says? He says, we're going to increase the penalties for fentanyl. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you don't even arrest them. And when you do, you let them out on no cash bail. Right. I'm not even sure the cartel isn't paying off Biden. I have no idea. Oh, but God. Is a lot of that in the book, too, all the stuff no, which... Well, about, give, give me... Uh, first of all, how long did it take you to write the book? How long did it take? It took me about, I don't know, five months. It was a quick write because That's I was so good. angry. That's pretty good. So. It was. I was so angry. Look, it's, it's all about the breach of sovereignty. And what I do is I lay out an indictment. And then I follow up with all the individual crimes, the infringement of the right to bear arms, aiding and abetting, violent criminal con- uh, conduct. Crossing the blue line, pay to play, sound like the Biden crime family, all of them. perjury, gaslighting. The fact that what they've done is they're trying to erase our history. They're trying to shut down free speech. It started with political correctness, Sid. Remember about five years ago, six years ago, during Obama, they said, if you say it this way, you're a racist, a yeah, xenophobe, yeah. we're going to cancel you. Right. And now we're going to shut down free speech. How? We saw it in the 2016 election where the FBI tells tells Twitter, you can't allow this news paper article that the Post published subject to defamation rules. They weren't worried about it, but they 
said, you can't publish that Hunter Biden may have been in business with his father and that there were millions and 10 percent going to the big guy. Okay, they shut it down. That's free speech. It's called election interference. Jim Comey, the FBI. I knew Jim Comey. He was a U.S. attorney when I was a D.A. This guy knows of what he speaks, but he turned into such an ideologue. He's almost a whore for the money. Ideologue is a nice way of saying scumbag, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because I had a lot of respect for Jim, too. I liked him. But then I watched uh, with Bernard. God bless his soul. He was alive. We were doing the midday show. And Jim Kamey came on television and did this 30-minute little thesis, if you will. And it was brilliant on how guilty Hillary Clinton was (laughs) just to tell us we're not going to do anything about it. No reasonable reasonable prosecutor would prosecute her. Are you kidding? You just made a 30-minute reason reason why she's guilty. What are you talking about? Exactly. So what does that tell you? Do you name names in the book? I absolutely name names in the book. Why not? Come on. Why not? This is America. You know what? And you know, I got to tell you something. All these you know what's frightening? In the in the beginning of the book, said I talk about the fact that in 1838, yeah. someone actually came out and said, "If danger is to be expected, if this country will suffer any defeat." If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln? 1838. He knew we could only die by killing ourselves. I knew it wasn't Gail King. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, that is brilliant. Yeah, you know, I was there when Abe Lincoln said that, you know. Oh, I'll be a doctor who's doing great face work because you look great, and you look great on television, Thank too. Thank you. Yeah, But no, that, that is a great it. quote. And, it is. Yeah, and Trump actually gives a lot of credit to Abe Lincoln, too, all the time. He's quick to credit Abe Lincoln. He's quick to credit Ronald Reagan. See, I say in my lifetime, yeah. and again, I voted against Trump in 2016. The first time I had him on, he loved that. He's like, wait, I turned you around? I said, yes, you did. Not yeah. because I liked Hillary. I hated her, and I hated Obama. But I watched Trump, and I watched, you know, I'm going to build a wall. I'm going to wear a red hat, the whole thing. And then, uh, <laughs> but, but the difference is, is I'm an adult. So when he won, I said to Bernie, I said, look, I've got two little kids. I need him yep. to be great. Um, and, yep. and he turned out to be a tremendous president There's in no my question. lifetime, him and Reagan. That's it. There's that's no question it. about it. 41 a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, a little it. bit. Yeah, but yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's it. I agree. I agree. So now he's got this fight of a lifetime trying to win again. Does he get the first copy of that book? Uh, he yeah, loves you know, you. my last book was dedicated to I him. I know. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. I talked I talk to him, and you know what? I talked to him about what it was like when he made a decision to fight for America, when we've got a president who's interested, Joe Biden, in America last. last. And i got to tell you, you know, Jill Biden, I'm not impressed with the woman. First of all, she's not a doctor. I'm sick and tired of people calling oh, her a doctor. She's got some right. degree in education. She's a less doctor than Dr. J is. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's a doctor of basketball. But, but the thing with her is that she's enabling elder Abuse. Yes. That's what she's doing. She hates him. What? She hates his guts. I, I don't what know. decent wife would embarrass her husband like that every day? She hates him. She wants him dead. She, le- I don't know if she wants him dead, no, but she, she leads him around lady. and yeah. he like walks around. And can I tell you, I hate it when Joe Biden looks at the press and smirks at them and then waddles away. Like, how dare you ask me a question? And, and the 40% are like, Joe Biden's his best. I'm with Joe. What are you with? He doesn't know what he's with. How are you with him? Actually, Corrine Jean Pierre. Oh, she. She's a dream. That Mensa, yeah. I mean, say what you want about Jen Psaki. She's horrible, but she's, she's a smart, smart girl. Smart girl, right. Smart. Kareem John comes out about three weeks ago and goes, this guy, Biden, he's the greatest communicator in the history of the presidency. <laughs> and we played three cuts out there. We couldn't finish a sentence, the poor man. Um, poor man, please, don't have the case. But um, in terms of the immigration, you yeah. know, Mayorkas is a guy that's kind of the oh. face of that. 
Right now, outside of Biden, outside of Biden, if you want to pick the one person, maybe you wrote about it in the book. If you want to pick the yeah, one I did. person, he's in my book. He is. Is he public enemy number one? My after Joe Biden, yes. Yes, right. He absolutely is. This yeah. guy lies to our faces. He says the border's closed, the border's secure. I, do you think we're stupid? <laughs> when they get from Mexico to New York City and they're in the Roosevelt Hotel, yeah. I know the border is not secure. Well, okay. You don't feel any comfortable knowing that Kamala Harris is. Uh... Oh, she's on the job. <laughs> Let me tell I'm going to tell you something about it. I'm disappointed as a woman. You know, I fought very hard to get the positions I did. I'm no spring chicken. I mean, I did things that women hadn't done, okay? Right. And I see that position. Is that in the book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Now, I, look, when I see a woman as vice president, I say, what an opportunity. Yeah. What an opportunity. Young girls are looking at this woman saying, I can be vice president. I can be the president. Get out there. Be articulate. Fight for a cause. Show them you're smart. Show them you can do a two-step backwards in high heels. No, she's like, <laughs> what is that about? Sid, what is that about? I don't know. I mean, is she happy hour every hour? <laughs> Look, she's got to be thrilled to be where she is. Yeah, Let's she face is. It. So is her husband. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, anyway, she, enough uh, about that. The them. mayor was uh, very good, there. I'll just leave it at that. The mayor of San Francisco was <laughs> so very was, good. So yeah, was, yeah, him. Yeah, him too. I know. Uh, and, of course, Barack, when he said she's the, no, the prettiest. The best uh, woman. Yeah, hey, you know what? Michelle didn't like that. Michelle doesn't like a lot of stuff. <laughs> she does not look like an easy person to be married to. Just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so now we have to take one more quick break. Is that right, Lou? Come back and wrap things up with Janine one more time. Talk about this phenomenal book. She's been an amazing guest. This hour's taken like 10 minutes. Yeah, this is on video. Oh, my be, God. You didn't be on, tell me that. I didn't tell you that? No. Well, that's Sergio's job, not mine. We'll be right back. <laughs> Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. All right. JudgeGbook.com. Judge. J for Janine. Oh, J. Did I say G? Yes. I did. Judge G. Book. Yes. Judge jbook.com that's you're going to buy the book this morning judge jbook.com and i got to tell you sergio just had a brilliant brilliant idea of how you should kind of set up every okay. conversation. Okay. Yeah, so, so so the idea here during the break, folks, you should have been here, is <laughs> that they said, look, the way to introduce your book is to really admit what happened. You were at your therapist. Right. You're always angry. So your therapist said to you, write down what you're angry about. <laughs> so I couldn't stop writing. And by the time I finished, I had this book, That's Crimes brilliant. Against America. Okay? There's probably some truth to that. There is some truth right. to it. Not the yeah. therapist part, right. but there's right. truth to it. I get angry. Every day I get angry. I, I don't I don't, something. I don't see that. I don't. Yeah, you don't see it? I like to laugh. You don't see it. Of course I do you see, see it. that, yes. Let me tell you something. You know what I'm angry about? I'm angry about, and I talk about this in, in, in Crimes Against America. I'm angry about the calamitous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yes. I'm angry about the fact that people who are Americans, and we said, hey, we'll get to you later, and we needed the Pineapple Express and everybody else to come in. I'm angry about 40-year high inflation, the our involvement in the war in Ukraine. Okay, enough. If you had a half a brain, Joe, you would have known when they were lined up with the board 
order to get them what they needed. But no, what we need to do is we need to indebt this country more. We need to send cash to Ukraine. And by the way, all the Americans go visit there, Democrats only. I don't know what they're doing there. Cash, groceries, utility prices are skyrocketing. We have an unaddressed national crime spree that is an embarrassment. The rest of the world looks at us and laughs at us. We've got total anarchy at the southern border. Law and order now is chaos and anarchy. And there is a loss of respect for the United States, not just here, but across the world. I'm tired of the woke nonsense. I'm tired of people telling me how I should feel. I'm tired of little kids being told, if you're white, you're an oppressor and you should feel bad about yourself. Hogwash. America gets along. People get along. You look at any family. There's white, there's black, there's brown, there's yellow. Who cares? We don't care. The race baiters care. That's why I wrote this book. I'm sick of the nonsense. I'm sick of the left taking down our republic. Lou, can you give me a parliament, please? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. I'm good. That was so hot. Oh, yeah. my God. Thank you. And it was brilliant, and it was right, and you just spoke for millions of us, yeah. not just around the country, the 70 million that voted for our friend Trump, but millions of New Yorkers that feel the same exact way. No, we're outnumbered, but there's a lot of us, and we need more people like you to keep talking on radio shows, TV, and Thank writing you. books like that. Again, yep. it is Crimes Against America, JudgeJBook.com. Go buy it today. Buy five. Buy five of them. It's a great Father's Day gift. Father's Day coming up. I love this book. JudgeJBook.com. The brilliant Janine Pirro. Thank, Thank you, Sid. Love Thank being you. with you for the hour. I loved having you. That wraps up today's edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Got a big show coming your way on Tuesday, of course. So for my whole crew, Lou Rufino, Justin Huck, and Noam Layden, until 6 a.m. on a Tuesday. Peace. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.